And we're Friday, you bastard. Yo, 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 let's rape more. Now, here's how the first UN inspection team may be greeted by Saddam Hussein. Hey, how you doing? I'm Jerry Walker. I'm with the UN. Nice to meet you. Hello, hello. Here's my partner over here, Eddie Twinkles Reynolds. <coughs> What's the problem? Edward Reynolds. Does it matter? I hate when you do that. Welcome to my castle. Thank you very much. We'd uh, like to take a look around. Absolutely. I have no conditions whatsoever. You may look around. Right, we're going to take a look right over there in that office area Except right there. Over in that area. Well, that office. We're going to need to oh, take a look in there. I l don't look in there. I mean, you could, but there's nothing in there but my old record collection. Jerry! No, don't look over there! Oh! Don't look over in that area! Jesus Christ! Keep the tablecloth on there. Oh, don't go over there, for heaven's sake. Not that I'm hiding anything Sir, over there. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm feeling a little woozy. All right, calm down. I'm a little woozy. All right, calm down. Woozy. Sit down right over here. Get out of our way. Get Thank out. you, Eddie. Just sit down right Thank over you, here. Eddie. Yeah. Edward. Eddie. Edward. All right, let's Edward. check those Edward. kitchen cabinets. No! Oh, no, look oh. at the kitchen cabinet. No, not look at the kitchen cabinet. What's wrong? No, the bad. It's a very breakable dish. Break a oh, we don't want to break no dishes. No, break a All right, there, Twinkles. Uh, Why don't you look over here and... Uh, Edward, Edward. Yeah, Edward, Eddie, boy. Edward. Yeah, yeah. See that jewelry box over there? No, look at the jewelry box. Oh. No, look at the jewelry box, please. It scared me. I have a lot of... Uh, my personal, like, you know, like condoms. What? Oh. Hey, give me condoms in the jewelry box. Oh, Ixnay on the yak space got his ondoms key. That's exactly right. Thank you very much. Eddie, anywhere you want to look, you can look. That's Edward. I'm going to cooperate fully with the United Nations so you don't drop the bomb on me. Right. Well, I'm going to sit down and be woozy. Sir, would you leave the room for a second? I want to get I behind you. I can't leave the room well, because... Can, I... can you just slide over? Absolutely. Slide over. Just what, let me get around. What are you trying to see in back of me? I just want to look and see what's oh, behind you. Can, uh -huh. can I just... Well, don't look back at me. Can I just... Don't look back at me. What is this over here? No, no, over there! Boy, you move fast! I'm like a cat! Oh, yeah! On a hot tin roof! Yeah, well, it's getting hotter in here, buddy. I'll tell you something. I hope you find what you want. Now, that's all. No, we, we're not done yet. Oh, yes. Eddie, look over Oh, no, Edward! I have the diarrhea. Eddie, look over Eddie, Edward. take oh, him out of here. I'm Edward! I don't care. I have to make the poopy. All right, all right. I'm very nervous. Come back! Come back! Come back we'll anytime! Back. I back. cooperate fully! Nine zero three at five sixty WQAM. Happy Friday to you. You know what I forgot to mention so far? I what? mean, not that we've been on, but I'm not handsome monkey. Right. Get the organ grinder cranked up. Great line there, Mo. Not pretty weak. Anyway, I want to thank the fish, who's one of the chronic callers on our morning show. Which, believe me, they need all the help they can get because he called in. and He said, "You got to admit it, Howard." He said, "That stuff that uh, Neil Rogers is playing about you is pretty goddamn." Fun. And the fish, you got to work on your. <laughs> got to work on it a little bit. But he was doing like a takeoff on that. And uh, Mo, I guess, was a little bit too slow on the uptake to understand that he was like making fun of him a little bit. And then, of course, that when uh, he launched into a whole thing about, well, I haven't listened since uh, my birthday, which was June third. Why was it June the third? And by, so I wouldn't know, but you have to be a trained monkey to listen to that show. And then we had a rumor from somebody in our sales department that some uh, dark-complected caller called in, which is about eighty percent of Mo's audience, by the way. Maybe someday somebody will show them how to switch the dial. But at any rate. And he took great exception to that. It sounded like that comment by uh, Jimmy uh, the Greek, you know? Jimmy the Geek? Yeah. And who was the other one? And then, of course, Howard Cosell, that little, that little monkey, Alvin Garrett, that little monkey. Uh, that sounded like a racial thing to me. Maybe we'll have to look into that. At any rate, thanks for the plug, Mo. He's got, he, wasn't that close to a plug when he said uh, get the organ grinder cranked up? Yeah, that technically. At, le no, at least he's getting them ready for the show. Thanks a lot, Mo. He's listening up a little bit. 
I knew he would. It's just a matter of time. Yo, yo, yo. Before he loosens up. <laughs> of course, I guess when you get raped that many times, you do loosen up. But anyway, rape is not funny, by the way, George. Oh, I know. So quit yucking it up. We have 962 votes on our poll from yesterday, which we'd have a lot more than that, except for the fact we want to apologize. Now, Eric wants to apologize to anybody who tried to vote desperately this morning. You know, like a lot of people were going to work, I would think, and they click it on and see what the result is, and they want to, like, throw in there a penny and a half, but they couldn't get on there for, like, all morning until about, what was it, quarter to nine. So we'd be over a 1,000 were it not for that. And, of course, we don't want to, like, show up anybody, so we don't want to go over a 1,000. Do we on a weekday poll? That would be bad. That would be like showing off. Although we did go over a 1,000 that day, I asked about the uh, job you did last summer, this past summer. Yeah. And some of the votes were even real on that poll. Anyway, and, and, and see, I don't, I don't know if there's any bogus votes on here or not. Now, you do, but I think if you, if you check all the polls, this president is popular. I know that's a very scary thought. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I know. And by the way, you haven't even given him a chance to say, shove Woolley over their eyes. Because the American public, which he anticipated, how do you think he got in the first place besides stealing cheating. a few thousand extra votes? Like that. Buying lots and lots of money and cheating and uh, duplicating. Right, and lying and by hook yeah. and by crook, but nevertheless, it was good enough for Kennedy. He got in by uh, cheating and lying. Kennedy's had all that money. See, basically, we think we're not a uh, monarchy, but we are. We have two royal families. We had the Kennedys, which they're on the way out. And now we got the Bushes who are back in. Oh! The Bush people. 962 votes. If you had a chance to recast your vote for the president in 2000, what would you be doing? I'd vote the same. I'd vote for Al Gore. And i I got to hand it to those people. Boy, you got some real balls, you know what? Because even as wooden and as terminal as he is, he is just pathetic. 482. Oh, look at that. We just had a change. 482. Oh, 968. You know something? We will get over 1,000. You want to know why? Why is that? Because today's poll isn't going to go up for quite a while. Hey, sit back and relax. Enjoy your breakfasts, okay, Eric? Because our poll today is going to be a work in progress. Anyway, 482 would do the same as they did uh, two years ago. They'd vote for good old Al Gore, bore and all. I'd vote the same for Bush, 202, in spite of it. I didn't vote in 2000, 134, 13.8%. You people ought to be horsewhipped. We're going to get, what's her name, Marilyn, uh, Mary Jane, Mary Ann, uh, Marilyn uh, Toogood. Madeline. Madeline. Madeline Toogood and her goddamn uh, nutcases, her Irish tinkerers. We're going to come to your house and beat the snot out of you just because you could have made such a big difference. All we needed was another couple of thousand votes. I mean, the difference was 500 and something, but, you know, that that wouldn't have been enough. But I think if we had, like, about another 10,000 votes, that would have been enough to put the Gore over the top, which we didn't want Gore. We just didn't want Bush. Gore was just the anti-Bush. Anyway, uh, I voted for Gore, but now I vote for Bush, 71. I voted for Bush, but now I vote for Gore, 28. So the uh, Bushmeister picks up 43 there. I vote the same for Nader, 23. You know something? When we're finished going to those people who didn't vote and whipping them, we're going to go to the people, the, uh, the stubborn Nader crowd. I mean, what would that possibly prove? What, what would that accomplish? <laughs> me, I'm at a loss. Other than these are a bunch of stubborn sh- Schmidt head people. <laughs> Careful. Easy. <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> I know. No, well, seriously. How can you still vote for Nader? Anyway, I voted for Nader, but now I vote for Gore 14. And I voted for Nader, but now I vote for Bush 7. So there's a net gain of 7 for Big Al. So let's see, 43 less 7 is 36. And then I voted for Buchanan, but I really meant to vote for Gore. That's the Palm Beach crowd. We got seven of those. Doesn't that surprise you? So Bush picks up a net of 29 in our uh, survey here with 968 votes and a way to go. Because, like I said, today's poll will be a work in progress. 
You know, I wasn't even aware of this story, but Paula, thank you, Paula, not that she's got anything to do with it, but that story about Sodom uh, being pushed into exile, and he's saying, I don't think so. It's in USA Today. The United States and some of its Arab allies have begun a quiet effort to defuse the Iraq crisis by persuading Sodom to yield power and go into exile. And he's saying, no. <laughs> An initial overture came in August when, see, all we, you know, if he just leaves the keys to all those uh, oil refineries, that's all we care about. An initial overture came in August when Gutter's foreign minister suggested to Sodom that it consider stepping down to avoid a devastating war with the U.S. Sodom angrily told the Qatari diplomat to leave, according to three Arab diplomats. The feeler was part of a strategy to see whether Sodom, faced with defeat and possible death in the U.S. invasion, would follow other dictators who fled crisis and gone into exile. Now, they were saying on that CNN thing this morning, oh, well, well what country would take him in? <laughs> Are you kidding me? He'd be on the French Riviera in a half an hour. Don't you think? I think they never met a scumbag uh, lunatic that they didn't like. Not so far. It's unclear whether the U.S. or Arab states initiated the Qatari overture. As a matter of fact, didn't he build that uh, nuclear reactor that the Israelis blew up with the help of the frogs? I'm sure he did. Yes. came from France. It's unclear whether the U.S. or Arab states initiated the Qatari overture. Administration officials made clear this week they could accept such an outcome as an alternative to war, but the administration doesn't want to appear to be the originator of the idea for fear it would kill any chance that Saddam would accept. A senior State Department official speaking, of course, on the condition of strict anonymity. Shh. Isn't that what we had at uh, Steve M's house in Davie? Huh? But he went, shh. Or isn't that Todd Dreck? Said that although continued freedom for Sodom is contrary to U.S. official policy, it's a scenario we have to come to terms with. He said the U.S. still would have to deal with elements of Sodom's regime that might remain in Iraq. Well, there you go. So there's a little possibility. It probably isn't going to happen, but there's something. Something to twiddle around a little bit. Now, here's our poll for today. Oh, and uh, we ought to also tell the audience about a great job that our salespeople did. Shouldn't we? Of course, they got a trip out of it. They deserve some Sales people are ice holes. Yeah, they deserve kudos. Boy, you are an idiot. You know, well, they Quisling. had that monumental task of selling that summer, you know, and they oh, did that, it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That was part of the whole package. They had to sell out the summer show while George was on it. And I saw some of those logs, you know, because I actually did do a few shows this summer, a couple, a one, some. And uh, it was pretty packed. There were a lot of spots on there. They made right? budget two months, those two months. Made budget both those two months. And as a result, our sales department is getting rewarded, oh! and they're getting sent to Vegas. For how long? I don't know, two hours. For like a weekend, something like that? They're being all sh uh, schlepped out to Vegas. And I'm suggesting, I just want to plant the idea kind of subliminally that maybe they just might take uh, Todd Dreck up to the top of the stratosphere, you know? Oops. Oh, there goes Todd. Remember what a good guy he used to be there? And, of course, being about two feet tall like he is, being a, a little putian, a little piece of turd, he wouldn't even leave like a mark on the strip, you know what? And that would be it. Oh, look at that. Somebody, uh, there's a there's a chocolate ant. Oh, no, that would be if it was Troy Stratford, be a chocolate ant. There's one of them dangerous white ants on the sidewalk. Somebody just step on it, that'd be the end of him. So here's our poll question for today. If you could program your TV to block out one person, who would it be? Now, we're not seeing some of the suggestions George said came in on the facts uh, since yesterday's show. I mean, it's silly. Like Mayor Pinga Pequena. We understand you hate him, but we've done that poll already, okay? He, he don't have a TV show. He doesn't appear on TV except on the news. And he's small potatoes. He's small potatoes like Todd Dreck. We're talking about people who pop up on your TV like all the time that just nauseate you that you don't want to see there again. Uh, if you could program your set to block out one person, it would be. Now, I've, I've made a short list here so far. Brian Norcross, which I think lately uh, he ought to be on your mind. Dr. Phil, 
And then, of course, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think there'll be a lot of people who would say, Oprah, and then Jesse Jackson, George W., George W. Bush, Larry King. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't want to see him in those nasty suspenders. Martha Stewart, who's got Mort Soros, by the way. Yes. Emerald Lagasse. Yeah. And then this morning I'm watching, <coughs> and the Certainly Not News Network puts on there, the obnoxious with his donkey teeth, Richard Quest. Oh, man. <laughs> Doesn't he have donkey teeth? Yes, he does. He is the most grotesque. He's everything that we hate about the Brits is right there in that, in, in that package. Richard Quest. He'd be the best. So that's the list so far, and I'm sure we'll add to it. Won't we? We should. I'm sure we will. Although I got my vote. And which is that? O.W.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, even after he made a friendly overture by saying... Good morning. I don't know what's wrong. What do you want from him? <laughs> Just like Mo says, crank up the organ grinder. Crank up the organ grinder. Okay, Mo. Whatever you say. Yo, yo, yo. 9.13 at 5.60 WQA. Mattress shopping, the traditional, the old-fashioned way. Forget about it, because it's a waste of time. Pick up the phone and call our good, close, personal pals at the uh, dial mattress joint, and they'll uh, be on their way in no time at all. Did I say joint? See, this isn't Todd Drex's account. 1-800-MATTRESS is the number to call. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Instead of schlepping all over town, wasting gas and time and energy and a lot of money, and then winding up with a crap mattress to boot. The uh, deal is call dial a mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS, and they'll uh, hook you up with a kind of mattress you like to sleep on. The size, the twin, the king, the queen, the in-between, the firmness that you like, and, of course, the top-name brands. No off-brands at dial a mattress. They don't potchke around with, uh, with crap. They got Serta, they got Salix, Simmons, King Coil, the best manufacturers in the world, and they never bait and swish you either. Exactly the mattress you order, that's the one that they'll bring right to your door, and they'll bring it pretty damn quick, too. Any two-hour window that's convenient for you, any day of the week, seven days a week. You won't have to waste a whole day of your life sitting on your hands and knees praying that somebody might show up. And they also give you, unbelievably, that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee so you can test the mattress out the smart way by sleeping on it. And they have exceptionally low everyday prices that are unbeatable. So if you want to get you a new mattress, if the old one isn't doing the job anymore, do it the easy, the smart way like I always do. Call Dial a Mattress at 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web at mattress.com. Every play, every day. With Morton looking so good, will they give Martin a little bit of a break this well, year? Well, the guy that's, that, uh, that, that uh, yeah, Chad, Chad will get a little, uh, a little bit of a, a break in there. And, uh, has done a pretty good job for us, but he'll Jordan give too. he'll give him a, a little bit. But you know, I don't know that much uh, if he will. And um, the other guy that does a great job for us as a backup back is Lamont Jordan. Yeah, uh, he is. He's looked really good. So it's not easy for Chad to just get a lot of playing time on offense. But because uh, Lamont's had, and Lamont maybe has uh, as good a hands as anybody on our football team. Now I use him on kickoff returns back with Chad, and uh, so that's a pretty good pair that, that we have there. And then he go, of course, alternates in and, you know, helps relieve Curtis a little bit. And then Chad comes in in some special situations. Well, we'll see you down here the third week of the season. Okay, Hank. We'll get you early this year. Yeah, yeah, early. <laughs> yeah, away we go. Yeah, well, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. They're, they're wondering when they're ever going to beat the Jets around. Uh, I was on both sides of it, Hank. I don't have it figured out. I just hope it stays the way it is right now. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming. Right, I look right. forward to seeing you. Okay, thank you. Take care of yourself. Right, bye. Mike Westoff joining us here on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Hey, it's Howard. Howard David. Tonight on E. 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 
Entertainment Television. Mr. President, I hear that you're hung like a hamster. One size does not fit all. Yeah, but they say you've only got an inch. Nevertheless, an inch is better than nothing. Tonight on E. e. I heard that you got one of those penile extensions. I've seen it. I felt it. I need it. 918 at 560, especially if we're going to take on Sada. Boy, we need every inch we can get. You know what I'm saying? I think we ought to do an interim pool. Am I leaving you speechless? No, I'm on the phone. On the phone with who? Eric. Oh, well, that's good. That's good you're on the phone with Eric. See, it's a psychic thing, because Eric wasn't aware of the fact I was going to do an interim poll. Right, we're writing it down and uh, so that we can fax it to him. You're writing what down? The poll. No, no, you don't understand. I just got through saying, see, you're like too obsessed with him. Forget about him. He ain't on the air, okay? He's small potatoes. We're going to do an interim poll because we're putting the other one together. The other one is a work in progress. Right. So rather than wasting time on our website, I've got a great interim poll. Okay. Inspired by my good, close, personal friend, the fish, from this morning's uh, Mo Show. Huh? No, yeah. this is good stuff. This is an important poll. Let's see. And I'm going to – let's put it together right here on the air. The Mo Bits – now, they're going to know what I'm talking about. The Mo Bits that Neil plays are – got it? Got it. Mobits and Plus are the best, very funny, okay, weak, or disrespectful. Huh? Isn't that good? Great. Okay, here we go. Very quick. Well, I tell you, I can put together a pool man in no time at all. I'm a pool man. The mo uh, that was good. Good bit for Boca Brian. Huh? <laughs> I'm a pole man. I can hear it right now. The mo bits that Neil plays are the best, very funny, okay, weak, or disrespectful. Because, you know, there probably are some people who feel that... Do, 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 do. Right. We're like maybe overdoing it or something. Okay, so that's our interim poll, and then we'll work on the other one. It'll give us you know, a little leeway. I want to thank whoever faxed me the Molly Ivins article, which I already had her column, but... Unfortunately, whatever I uh, downloaded from the uh, right-hand column, like, clipped off. So I wasted 10 minutes this morning sitting here, like, writing in uh, handwritten because it wouldn't print. You, you can't center it. And then have some of these things that don't have printer-friendly format, which right. is, always pisses me off, you just can't do that. Even if you center it on your computer screen, that has nothing to do with the uh, whatever. Follow what I'm saying? Yes. So anyway, I wasted all of that time, and lo and behold, here's the article uh, pristine without my uh, little scra scratchings on it. Yeah, just like that, like freaking magic. That's an omen, baby. Oh. Means it's going to be a great weekend, and the uh, Patriots will kick ass on Sunday. I mean, the Dolphins will kick ass on Sunday. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. Who the Dolphins playing this week, by the way? Oh, that's right, they're playing at Kansas City. Uh oh, uh oh. Well, I'll tell you one thing right now. Since I try to be fair, if they actually went out there. And play a good game. I'm, I'll give them credit. Then I'll, then I'll be start to be a believer, because they beat three real pansy teams so far. They beat three little girl teams, three teams that probably could have uh, had a tough time beating Long Beach State or Temple or one of those little teeny tiny little girl schools that the Hurricanes pick on every week. By the way, Hurricanes and Piper High this weekend. So Molly Ivins writes, Mr. Bush. Now wait a minute. I better take a look at the final thing on this uh, before he gets uh, cocky on there. 982 votes. Let's see, 43 less 7 is 36. The margins stay the same, 29. So Bush picks up 29 votes. We declare him the official winner now, okay? Even though you don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. 
I don't care if you like it or not. I don't like it either, but that's the way it is, okay? Like when these polls come out and give them like 65 and 70% approval rating, you think I like that, but that's the way it is. That's America, baby. Zine America, as the Chinese say. Molly Ivan says, Mr. Bush, stop the insanity. No, this is not acceptable. This is not the country we want to be. This is not the world we want to make. The United States of America is still run by its citizens. The government works for us. Rank imperialism and warmongering are not American traditions or values. We do not need to dominate the world. We want a need to work with other nations. We want to find solutions other than killing people, not in our name, not with our money, not with our children's blood. I rarely use the word we because it's so arrogant for one citizen to presume to speak for all of us, but on this one, I know we want to find a way that killing is the last resort, not the first. We'd rather put our time, energy, money, and even blood into making peace than making war. The national security strategy of the United States 2002 is repellent, unnecessary, and above all impractical. Americans are famous for pragmatism, and we need a good dose of common sense right now. This will not work. All of the experts tell us anti-Americanism thrives on a perception that we are arrogant, that we care nothing for what the rest of the world thinks. Even our innocent mistakes are often blamed on obnoxious triumphalism. The announced plan of this administration for world domination reinforces every paranoid anti-American prejudice on this earth. The plan is to guarantee to produce more terrorists. Even if this country were to become some insane 21st century version of Sparta, armed to the teeth, guards on every foot of our borders, we still wouldn't be safe. Not only would we not be safe, we wouldn't have a nickel left for schools or health care or roads or parks or zoos or gardens or universities or mass transit or senior citizens or the arts or anything resembling civilization. This is nuts. This creepy un-American document has a pedigree going back to Bush 1 when, surprise, Dick Cheney and Paul Wolfowitz were at the Department of Defense. In those days, it was called Defense Strategy for the 1990s and was supposed to be a definitive response to the Soviet threat. Then the Soviet threat disappeared, and the same plan reemerged as a response to the post-Soviet world. It was roundly criticized at the time. Its manifest weaknesses attacked by both right and left. Now it's back yet again as the answer to the post-September 11th. Sort of like the selling of the Bush tax cut, needed in surplus, needed in deficit, needed for rain and shine. The plan exists apart from rationale. As Francis Fitzgerald points out in today's New York Review of Books, its most curious feature is the combination of triumphalism and almost unmitigated pessimism. Until last Friday, when the thing was released and it's in its new incarnation, it contained no positive goals for American policy, not one. Now the plan is uh, tricked out with rhetoric like earrings on a pig about extending freedom, democracy, and prosperity to the world. But as the New York Times said, it sounds more like a pronouncement that the Roman Empire or Napoleon might have produced. It is uh, it's, it in, in what is indeed a dangerous and uncertain world. We need the cooperation of other nations as never before. Under this doctrine, we claim the right of first-strike use of nuclear weapons and unannounced preemptive strikes. That means surprise attacks. Happy Pearl Harbor Day. We've just proclaimed ourselves bully of the world. This reckless, hateful, and ineffective approach to the rest of the world has glaring weaknesses. It announces that we intend to go in and take out everybody else's nukes whenever we feel like it. Meanwhile, we're doing virtually nothing to stop their spread. Last month, Ted Turner's nuclear threat initiative had to pony up $5 million to get poorly secured weapons-grade uranium out of Belgrade. Privatizing disarmament, why didn't we think of that before? The final absurdity is that the plan is supposed to stop change. Does no one in the administration read history? Where it's syndicated columnist Mary uh, Ivan, Molly Ivan, whatever the hell her name is. Nice going, Molly. Come on, she can do a little better than that. Come on, let's hear it for Molly. Woo! That a girl, that a boy, whatever. Oh, no, I wanted to play that anyway okay let's see uh the best oh i'm sorry we got our mini poll up this is just an interim little poll here while we're working on the other one are we getting any faxes on the other one no no they can fax in 650-0198-305-650-0198 
faxed into oh, one person you'd block out, huh? I beg big, your pardon? From Big Arnie. And Big Arnie, chronic faxer, yes? Al Sharpton. A good one? Yes. Excellent. Al Sharpton. If Jesse Jackson can be on her, we don't want to be discriminating. Al Sharpton's good. Crank up the organ grinder for Al. I'm sorry. 26 past 9 at 560 WQM with your busy lifestyle. You need all the energy you can, all the help to try and stay in good health, especially in that heat and humidity. I'm understanding it's still 148 degrees in the shade and humid is uh, like a tropical swamp. So why not start popping some oleomet in your puss real soon? Oleomet is a great new product. It contains all kinds of good stuff for you. The best olive oil, the purest you'll find anywhere along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for all different parts of your body. There's one product designed to help your heart, one to lower your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol, one for your prostate, all in soft gel little capsules that, like I said, you just pop in your ugly puss. They make one product for your circulatory system, one for your digestive, your endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the best olive oil known to man, and Oleomet makes products for men and ladies as well. You can pick it up all over town. More and more people are using Oleomed now. You'll find it at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedanos, and Navarro Pharmacy. And speaking of Walgreens, watch out in Plantation on Monday, right, behind Walgreens? Why? Pizza Loft, baby. Monday. Oh, how could I forget? For more info, call Oleomed tool-free at 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, which you can also order their most prestigious website if you like at oleomedamerica.com. Sports Radio 560 QAM. But that don't mean that I'm gay. If you think my arms are bad, you ought to see my legs. I might as well keep them smooth and shaved to show a little glass the next time I'm raping it. I could go to a surgeon, but that gives me the shivers. I would not want to walk out looking like Joan Rivers. Uh, where am I? I fired the beast, the fat little freak. I did him a favor. Now he can't afford to eat. The reason I dismissed that stinking fat bastard is because he wouldn't shut up and he can't play canasta. Hey, somebody talking over there. Nobody talks when I rap. I rap, then you talk. Like, look at me, I'm hip, hip, I ain't no square. I'm a ding-dong daddy, man, I'm really dead. I fire anyone I want, I don't care. Especially if they make me flip my wig made of smelly green hair. I get fired myself, it even happens to the greats. Westwood once said, you get out of here or else we break your legs. So now I sit by the pool, life's as good as it gets. With my paladin cocktail, placing bets on the jets. In paradise, paradise, I don't kiss nobody's ass in paradise. do 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 I'll be shopping down the Scroogans when I get the chance. But the cleaners aren't ready with my lime green pants. How long does it take? Kelly, call and complain. It was just a little thought, so what I left this day. Do you think that's funny? Want a knuckle sandwich, buddy? I can do what I want, because the management loves me. Can I tell you something, Mo? Something you ought to know. For the longest time, I wanted you to be my hoe. You ain't my type, pal. Now I am straight. Hell no. What are, you, what are you doing? I won't take no for an answer. Well, get out of here. Not you. Get out of there. Get up, bitch. Do Nine thirty-three, five sixty, WQM. Okay, look at that. We got forty votes already in our little mini interim poll there. 
The Neil, the Mobits that Neil plays are the best 12. Very funny 11. Okay, 7. Weak 6. And disrespectful. Oh, four. Four. Now, don't you feel bad? About what? About the fact that you were like uh, playing the combs there on that last bed. You were, hey. a par uh, you were a party to all of this. Hey, if you can play an instrument, you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is magnificent. Anyway, so we got our little uh, interim poll there, and we're not getting any response on the other one, right? No, no, we got one good one. As Al Sharpton fact, was good. The kid from the Dell commercials. Oh, Steve from the Dell commercials. Yeah, whatever his name is. Steve in parentheses from the Dell spots. Dell computer spots. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he makes me sick. I, I would agree. And you know another one? Who? Which you don't know who this is. Uh, Carlos knows who this is because he loves infomercials. Billy Mays. Okay. No idea. From the Orange Clean. And he he was on uh, the shopping channel. I was channel surfing the other day. And he was on a damn uh, home shopping network. And he was uh, peddling that orange crap. Yeah, it's not on that too. She said, oh, Billy, you've been on for 12 hours now. Aren't you ready to pass out? Oh, no, no, here, you squeeze this and squeeze that. And he's, he's squeezing all over the place, squeezing her oranges, everything he can get his hands on. Billy Mays, uh, what do we put in parentheses? Orange clean? Okay. Huh? Don't, orange, don't know who that is. Orange Anybody? clean infomercial. Orange clean infomercial. Yeah, but that's a long thing. But Eric yeah. can handle it. i got lots of space on the site. Eric's got a lot of room on that website it's because he's under, under a lot of stress. He's under tremendous pressure after you guys yesterday were threatening... Take away a part of his livelihood. That, that was that was very Words. cruel. We're now that was disrespectful. That was disrespectful. Help. That was bad. That was really bad. Neil, by the way, it's orange glow, not orange clean. No, it's uh, orange clean. It's orange glow. Yeah, it's oxy clean and orange glow. Well, <laughs> orange glow. Okay. Well, there's the man who know his orange he glow. He watches them all. I know. And you know something? See, I went through that phase too. But after you see, like, Ron Popeil for the 600th time, and just, you know, our machine. Here's our machine, and here's another machine, and you can go buy those flimsy machines, but our machine. And not only that, but how many of them stupid little chickens do you want to cook anyway, you know? A hundred. Oh, God. Sixty-one votes on there. The Mobits that Neil plays are very funny. Uh, Twenty. Twenty said that. The best, nineteen. That's thirty-nine right there. That's sixty-four percent. Okay, 12. Just, uh... Okay. Okay. See, the people that say, okay, we always have to put a category on for those people because they don't want to go overboard. They don't want to give you, like, too much praise for anything. Uh, yeah, that was okay. That was an all right show, but, uh, yeah, it was okay. Fair. Had a week. A week, six. And disrespectful, still only four. So let's see, four. Screw Ann, Greg, Moe, and Gildy have voted. Four. I'm not... I'm going to read this just cold. Is this okay? Is this dirty, this uh, little joke that you just faxed me? No, it's clean. It was at uh, that time during Sunday morning service for the children's sermon. All the children were invited to come forward. One little girl was wearing a particularly pretty dress, and as she sat down, the pastor leaned over and said, That's a very pretty dress. Is it your Easter dress? The little girl replied directly into the pastor's clip-on microphone, Yes, and my mom says it's a bitch to iron. All right. That's pretty weird. Thank you very much, though. Killed about ten seconds. Thank you. If you could program your TV to block out just one person, who would it be? So far, we got Brian Norcross. Dr. Phil, Oprah, Jesse Jackson, George W., Billy Mays, the orange glow, uh, glow infomercial uh, guy, Larry King, uh -huh. Martha Stewart, Emerald Lagasse, Richard Quest with the uh, donkey ass and the donkey teeth, Quest. And, the, and the donkey breath, yes. Al Sharpton, and Steve from the Dell Computer Spots. 
It's Steve, man. Dude, you're getting the Dell. Oh, brother, I, I'd like to beat him with a two-by-four right after we finish with Todd Dreck. And we don't have to worry about Todd. In fact, Troy Stratford promised me this morning that uh, they're taking him on a little surprise trip to the uh, MG to the uh, New York, New York. You know where they have the uh, on, on top? They got the uh, thing. No, they have a thing. The roller coaster on oh, top. That well, that's thing. right. There was no New York, New York when you no, were in Vegas last week. No, it was under construction. We got to sit by the pool and watch them build it. Oh, and there was no Venice, and there was no Paris, and there was no, no. Uh, nothing. Boy, you better go back one of these days. In fact, maybe if you talk real nice to the to the screw and go back there, <laughs> huh? Show her some naked pictures of Roy! something like that. Oh, she's Maybe that, plenty. that plaster mold we have of Roy's penis. Maybe yes, Grand might say, hey, let's take little George along on a trip because we know that he worked so hard to keep those ratings up during the summer, even though it didn't work, but we know he worked very hard to try to do it. Anyway, U.S. to have, uh, this is from the international news. This is hysterical. U.S. to have military superiority be, because it's very special. You following that? No. Well, wait till you hear this. The United States should maintain its military superiority in the world and keep other nations from challenging it because it is a very special country, a top White House official said late Wednesday. The U.S. is a very special country in that when we maintain the position of military strength that we have now, we do it in support of a balance of power that favors freedom, said National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice, appearing on PBS's The News Hour with Jim Lehrer. She made the comment as she defended a new U.S. national security strategy that was unveiled last Friday, and it lays the foundation for preemptive military strikes, the one that Molly Ivins was talking about, that Molly was tearing her hair out at the roots. The strategy also declares that Washington will not allow any other country to attain military superiority or even parity with the U.S. We just won't uh, stand still for it. The document's been roundly criticized at home and abroad as they claim to the U.S. dominance in the world. Rice said that in its quest to maintain its current military status, the U.S. did not want to act alone and welcomed military contributions from other like-minded states. But when it, like little underlings, you know. But if it comes to allowing another adversary to reach military parity with the U.S. in a way that the Soviet Union did, no, the United States does not intend to allow that to happen, the National Security Advisor be saying. Because when that happens, there will not be a balance of power that favors freedom, she stressed. There will be a balance of power that keeps part of the world in tyranny the way the Soviet Union did, the National Security Advisor be saying. How do you like that? So right. if anybody else out there wants to, like, try to compete with us, well, guess what? Bada-bing, that's the end of you, okay? Don't mess with us. Don't try to get close to us. Don't be developing no anything, or we'll come and get your ass. So we have a new American effing way. How do you like that? Thanks again to my good friend, the fish. I'm sure he's voting on this thing because he said several times he said that. He likes it, even if we are monkeying around a little bit. What's wrong with a little bit of monkeying around, huh? You know what we ought to get? What? For when I come back, I think it would be hysterical if I got one of those little organ grinder things. I'll work on that. Yeah, let's get one of those. And then every morning we can grind our organ right there at 9 o'clock. Man, it was, we do the transition. That really was kind of like a promo. That was a first. There was like at least recognition that I'm alive. Nice going there, Mo. You're loosening up just a little bit. <laughs> See, I think the thing that really got to him was the fact that we let out of the closet the thing about his wife wearing the Jets cap in the stands. See, for example, I'll give you an example. Like Rimmer's The Voice of the Panthers on TV, right, has been since day one. If Farrell, my good close friend, his wife, was wearing like a Columbus uh, yellow jacket, straight jacket, uh, blue jacket cap in the stands, I don't think that would sit very well with the organization. You follow what I'm saying? It would be bad style, a bad, bad idea. And if like Rimmer had varicose veins, which I don't know if he does and I don't want to know, but if he did, and he painted them like yellow or like, say, uh, white and blue, like the maple leaf colors, and here he's the Panther broadcaster, I think that would go over like Halava in China, not too big. I'm, I just I could be wrong about that. 
941 at 560 WQM. Happy Friday to you. It's a great, this has been quite a week, you know. I, oh! I told you that Monday, didn't I? This was going to be sure. a monumental week. I had a feeling in my bone. I just, I just knew it. Is there still anybody out there alive who isn't playing at VIPSportsbook.com? Any of you degenerates? Then you better uh, get, get with it. A lot of ads are on the air these days, but you need to do some research before you put down your hard-earned cash at some unstable third-world sportsbook like in Costa Rica where they are doing it with, like, 10-year-old kids. Let me help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs. They're Dutch-based and one of the first online sportsbooks. Dutch-based. I mean, like over there, you're not having sex with 10-year-old kids. They're just smoking the jo joint for you. They're warming up. Anyway, if you want to go on a roll of a lifetime, you want to be with the best sports book in the world, and that's VIPSportsbook.com. By the way, when you call these people or talk to them online, be sure to mention Gary Sarner's name. They will laugh their ass off. Football season is in full force. The Patriots are going to win their fourth in a row this Sunday against San Diego and need to be with the best, VIPSportsbook.com. Open your account online, and that means you get you a 15% extra cash sign-up bonus. Then I mentioned they got the highest parlay odds you'll find anywhere in the world, and they do, up to 2,000 to 1. Incredible. So get over to VIPSportsbook.com and plunge in a book with some serious class. Call toll-free 1-866-VIP-BETS. That's 1-866-VIP-BETS. And don't forget, if you want to sign up online to get that 15% bonus, it's VIPSportsbook.com, where you do be the VIP. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAM. Wear of exploding balls. Martha, I fear you have stained your perfect reputation, but you're still small, old shackled up in the transport bus. Martha, I fear all of your insider information has landed you inside the tube. This is a good list, by the way, from Sean. Yes, it is. See, the chronic faxes are coming through. Oh! Sean in Hollywood says, obnoxious TV people, Shepard Smith. <laughs> it says, this poof is obviously Rupert Murdoch's boy toy. <laughs> Every time I see him bubbling his lines on GOP TV, I hit the button off so fast it crashes through the back of the TV console. He is, uh, amateur hour would be uh, an embarrassment to the amateurs. He's seven steps below that. Jim Rome, Dion Sanders. Bill O'Reilly, and Condoleezza Rice. Good choices there. I'm going to put them all on the list, okay? We had another one on uh, Bill O'Reilly, by the way. 
Okay, yeah, Bill O'Reilly, how can we leave him off? See, the reason I don't, uh, out of sight, out of mind, because I don't have Fox News up here, thank the Lord. Thank uh, oh, him, too. 113 votes in our mini pool. We'll start the other one at uh, 10 o'clock, okay? Aye. Because I think we got enough here to get going, and we can always add on to it later. Keep uh, Eric on his toes, on his tippy toes. Can you see Eric on his toes? <laughs> in, a, in tights, in a tutu? I don't think so. <laughs> Just a cool, joke, baby. Eric. Just trying to lighten him up a little bit after yesterday you guys threatening him with, like, oh. extinction. That was bad. That was really. And of course, here here's Carlos coming in there, and you're giving him encouragement. He's like, uh, you know, just hovering over like a vulture, <laughs> just waiting to pick up the pieces of the bones of the chicken bones that Eric leaves behind. I'll tell you one thing: you'd beef up, you'd pork up in a hurry, man. If you if you just picked up the uh, droppings from his entrails, oh, that's bad. <laughs> Hundred and thirteen votes on the poll. What are entrail droppings anyway? Uh, you don't want to know. The Mobits that Neil plays are very funny, 38, the best, 33. That's, uh, that's changing again, 122. 40 say very funny, the best, 36. Okay, 23, so that's uh, 70, uh, that's a lot. Week 14, and disrespectful, 9. So let's see, we got uh, 18%. That's our usual 18% of negatory, whatever it is. Isn't that the number I always give, 18%? Yes. Yeah. So 82% like them a lot. I don't think I have any of them in there at the moment. What's that? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't have any of them in there right now. That's good. Anyway, uh, Richard Goldman, and I read uh, one of Richard's letters to uh, somewhere. I was just reading, uh, maybe it was on TomPayne.com. Richard Goldman is a noted author and speaker of military and political history from Florida. His latest novel, The 95th, regarding the government scandal and cover-up in uh, 1945 of the 95th Infantry Division, is due out in full publication early 2003. So anyway, uh, he sends me... Uh, an op-ed piece that he's uh, sent to the Washington Post that they're going to use next week. So we can preview it right here. Thank you, Dick, Richard, and Coral Springs. Tail Gunner George is the heading. It says, like Senator Joe McCarthy wanted us to believe that there was a communist under every door to create publicity for himself, raise the political rhetoric in this country, and turn a country against itself, so too in 2002 do we begin to see the same problem com commence once again. The current president, not unlike Tailgunner Joe, sees a terrorist under every door, under every cover, and under every country's doormat. By turning up the rhetoric, by calling Senate Democrats un-American and not concerned with the safety of America, GW has turned the clock back to full-scale political rhetoric and tried to divide not only Congress, but the American people as a whole. Never be, that's whole with a W. Never before in this country's long political history have we had a president use war and the threat of war as a political tool game to Congress. Wilson was drawn in WW1 by controls not of his own. Roosevelt, while aware of the Japanese threat, was still caught off guard by his isolationist tactics when first Japan attacked the Pearl Harbor and then the axis of Hitler and Mussolini declared war on the U.S. and Europe. Truman and Eisenhower put their collective noses in Korea and Vietnam, starting off a chain of events that culminated with the unwise Gulf of Tonkin resolution by Johnson. Even Johnson didn't ratchet up the rhetoric for fear his own empire would fall from protest back home, which is exactly what happened, forcing him not to seek re-election in 68. To buy the excuse of the current president that we were attacked and must defend our homeland, for we were never attacked before, is morally reprehensible, politically repugnant, and as children of history know too well, false on its face. When the Japanese Empire attacked Pearl Harbor, American soil was entered and destroyed. In a single moment, the Japanese changed forever the balance of the world as a whole. When the attacks of September 11, 2001 commenced, this was done not by a single nation and her people, but a collective effort of individuals who were trained in one land, financed by another, and sent to kill civilians for no reason other than to kill. 
The U.S. has a president who continues to try to sell his war on Saddam Hussein to the American people, calling him a terrorist while still coddling the likes of Saudi Arabia and other terrorist-breeding American-hating countries, all in the name of friendship. Read closer oil interests. My fellow Americans, we are for the first time at a crossroads where an administration is willing to go out on its own to fight an enemy that is weak, poses little or no threat to this nation, and in typical warmongering fashion now uses its own nation's people to turn against, uh, against one another. The current president's also tried to example World War II in his rhetoric on how this nation must go to war with its enemies just like in 1941. Perhaps the current president forgets or never learned that in 1941 the U.S. went to war on a world scale, having first only focused on Europe. The Pacific Theater and the Japanese came about as a result of such issues as the steel and oil embargo imposed on the Japanese and other isolationist moves by the U.S. toward the Japanese people. Right or wrong, the Japanese miscalculated America's response to their response, which was out of desperation. The Japanese needed the steel and desperately needed the oil. Further, they needed the trade and mistakenly responded with aggression, hoping to wake up the U.S. For further uh, into further assisting their people and ending the isolationist game. It's not bad enough that we've already established this administration's isolationist, warmongering, imperialistic, and most fearful, having the ability to ignore and spite its worldly allies. Now we're faced with a new type of tail gunner, Joe, one who is so far removed from reality in fighting his father's long-ago battles that rationalistic sense no longer is at the forefront of his conversation, but sheer hatred of his perceived enemies, foreign and domestic, are. Right, Richard Goldman. Thanks, Dick. Oh, and then, of course, this, I, why didn't I start with this, you know Probably because we're off to, always off to such a slow start every day. Because the organ, you know, the monkey can't always get that organ grinder thing going fast. He's got to have like two or three feedings till he gets enough energy to do it. The big Musawi mistake. George and I discussed this briefly before the show today. Pretty amusing in a sick, disgusting, grotesque, embarrassing right. way because it's a, more of the same. From CBS News, the judge presiding over the trial of the only man charged so far in this country in the 9 11 attacks reports a serious U.S. government blunder. Oy. The Justice Department is still unclear how it happened, but somehow as many as 48 documents that officials now say should have been classified were inadvertently turned over to terrorist suspect Zacharias Musawi, or is that Zacharias, depending on how you're pronouncing it this week. Uh, Musawi is part of the discovery process in his upcoming trial. According to court records released yesterday, U.S. District Judge Leonie Brinkema, who is presiding over the case, called the mistake a grave security breach. Musawi's been acting as his own attorney in a potential death sentence case in which he's charged with being a part of the 9-11 plot. He's been reviewing paperwork in his Alexandria, Virginia cell. The classified documents were given to Musawi, the only person charged in the U.S. for the hijacked plane attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, by mistake over the past few months as part of the evidence turned over to him by federal government prosecutors. The classified documents, which were FBI summaries of interviews, then had to be retrieved during several days of searches of Musawi's jail cell in Alexandria, Virginia, where he's being held in solitary confinement awaiting trial. Despite their hard work and valiant effort, the Marshal Service could not find two of the seven documents. Unfortunately, one of the remaining two documents is the most critical of the seven, Prosecutor Robert Spencer wrote. It wasn't clear whether those documents eventually were recovered. Maybe he ate them. It's not clear if Musawi ever saw them in the mass of material he's been presented. A Justice Department official said the government was quite confident that Musawi never read the documents. And as CBS News correspondent Jim Stewart reports, the papers have since been retrieved, but the government now says it's begun a damage assessment study <clears throat> to find out not only if national secrets have been compromised, but how something like this could happen in the first place. You know how something could have happened like this in the first place? I don't know. It was stupid. Easy. That's the word. It was easy. Don't say stupid, okay? Okay. Don't say stupid. We don't want people to be like, think we're disrespectful. Well, you're disrespectful. I'm like, you know, an upstanding guy. You're just a disrespectful little spick. We know that. Stupid. 
140 votes on our mini poll, which is going to disappear from there in a second when we get to the real one. The mole bits that Neil plays are very funny, 49. This is out of 140. The best, 41. That's 90 already. Okay, 25. Say they're... Okay. Weak, 15. And disrespectful, 10. God damn it. What's wrong with you, man? Disrespectful. So that's that. That takes care of that. So the overwhelming majority, what do we got, like 90? And you know, we got a lot. They like them. Anyway, it's 956 at 560 WQAM. Am I on the right spot or not? I'm, I'm like all over the place here because oh, I feel like I'm on doggy uppers. We have so much ground to cover before the sales department goes out to Vegas and drops Todd Drek off the top of the uh, stratosphere. Oh, man. I, you know something? I'd have to be there to see it. <laughs> Remember yesterday I said I'm never going to Vegas? For that, I'd be there. Hey, for years now, you've been hearing me talk about diets, food, and how um, overweight most of this country is. You've also heard about the great Atkins diet and how it works. Well, the place to shop for all your Atkins products is still the leader in the diet industry, the Lights of West Boca. Can you imagine a little low-carb, no-fat, delicious scoop of ice cream on a hot day like today? How about over a 1,000 low-carb and no-sugar products just ready for you to taste because it delights of West Boca. You can always try it before you buy it. And at Delights, it's 25% off all Atkins products all the time. From candy to cookies, snacks, breads, vitamins, Delights of West Boca's got it all. With more great stuff arriving daily like the new controlled carb brownies they just got in for all you brownie hounds out there. And four delicious flavors like peanut, coconut, classic, and cherry. And they taste like your grandma's recipe. Man, I can just imagine you. Can you? Why don't you try some on Monday, huh? All right. I can just see it now. Delights of West Boca on the northeast corner of Glades and 441 in Boca. They're open till 10, seven days a week. Glades and 441, like I said. Call toll-free 1-877-LOW-CARB or check them out on the web at lowcarb.com. Delights of West Boca with the staff full of knowledge to put you on the path to losing those unwanted pounds. Check out all the great stuff right now at Delights, your official Atkins Diet Center. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAQAM. Oops. Hmm? Oops. Okay, it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, and I'm gonna watch HBO. There's some dumb show about a funeral home. Where did Tony and Big Pussy go? I've had to wait over a year and a half to see if that Russian guy is dead. screwed because they're showing our list instead Goomba Goomba da 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 Goomba da 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 Where the hell are the Sopranos man I've waited too long for this thing I want to see Holly and Silvio in the back Since the last episode, there's so many things I forgot. Did Polly get whacked? Is Furio smoking crack? And does Tony still sail the Stugats? So I pick up the latest TV guide, and that's when I start feeling fine. Each and every Sunday at nine. Oh, it's season four of the 
Sopranos man Good thing they're bringing it back If I had to wait even one second more I'd have my cable guy whacked Hey, forget about it yeah, forget about it. They're back. Just relax. Okay, Sunday night, Sopranos, be there or be square. I'll be square. I'm not going to be watching. We hit a bit on Billy Mays, didn't we? It seems that I played it once, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. I can't find the goddamn thing. You know what I'm talking about? What was the uh, the meat of it? What was the meat of it? Yeah. I mean, what? how did it go? One of the lines. <laughs> Hi, I'm Billy Mays for Orange Glow. I don't know, something like that. I don't know. You're not going to find it there. We don't have it uh, in the thing. It's a new thing. Oh. It's a new thing. You ain't got no new thing. So how did that other poll wind up now? 157 votes. See, I don't think uh, some of these people really even understand what we're talking about. No. The mo bits. You know what I mean? That's but that's okay. I forget it more, about it. Mo, makes it more fun. The mo bits, Neil, plays are very funny, 53, the best, 44, okay, 29, weak, 20, and disrespectful, 11. <laughs> oh, geez, I feel pretty bad now, don't I? No. Anyway, here's the poll. Here's the new poll. Get this on there right away and get that other crap off of there. That was just interim. That was just to kill some time while we uh, perfected this one. If you could uh, program your TV to block out just one person, who would it be? Brian Norcross, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Jesse Jackson, George W. Bush, Billy Mays, the orange glow infomercial guy. Am I going to go too fast, you think? Sorry. Bill O'Reilly, Shepard Smith. I want to give you a kiss. Larry King. Uh huh. Martha Stewart. Emerald Lagasse. It's going to be interesting to see the way Eric spells some of these names. I'm not giving any uh, assistance, okay? You spell them however you want. Richard Quest with the gorilla teeth. Al Sharpton. See, they're not going to know who Richard Quest is, but that, that's okay. The ones who do know, they believe me. They'll be falling all over each other to get to their computers. Steve from the Dell Computer Spots. Hi, it's Steve. Jim Rome. I don't know about Deion Sanders. I mean, a lot of people are like, I don't think he qualifies, you know? You think? Uh, no, well, I'm, what am I, I asking you? Nah, that, forget yeah, about exactly. him. He's small potatoes. Jim Rome or Condoleezza Rice. We also got a uh, late suggestion for Carrot Top. Okay. From those commercials. Okay. Carrot Top's good. Although I do like carrot cake. Don't you love oh, carrot cake? It's great. Oh, with boy, the white I love frosting carrot cake. when it's really good and sweet. Mmm, when it's like real, real moist, you know? I'll tell you where they have good carrot cake is at Pompano Park. You know that? I had no idea. Now you do. As a matter of fact, Pompano Park opens tonight. I just mentioned that. Is there a spot on for them today? It would probably it would be a good idea, but probably not, you know? Because we don't have any avails. <laughs> oh, that sales department. Send him to Vegas. Put him in a goddamn. Put him in the desert and don't uh, give him a map, like old Frankie would say. God, give me a break. Yeah, Pompano Park opens tonight. They resume live racing, 7:15 post time. A lot of good stuff going on. I might even give him a free spot, you know, just because they're so nice to me. And they have great carrot cake. Dining room doesn't reopen until uh, like the middle of October, 16th, I think. You know something? I actually happen to have that right here. Isn't that amazing? I know people don't want to hear just spots and stuff like that, but this is something I'm enthusiastic about. Can I do that? I'll go Here's for it. Here's the green sheet. Here's the green sheet, and it says October, uh, it doesn't say. Oh, yeah, here it is. Opens October 16, the top of the park, sixth floor dining room. But anyway, racing is back at Pompano Park tonight. And go there and just plunge your guts out. Just take a, a big sack full of cash. 
Speaking of uh, upcoming things, join George and Carlos tomorrow from 11 to 1 at Bill Seidel's Boulevard of Savings in Miami, just west of 27th Avenue on Northwest 36th Street. Stop by for our usual very low-budget QM prizes and free food from our close personal friend Ira and the other guy at Atlantic City Sims where the bread and Ira make the difference. Tomorrow, 11 to 1 at Bill Seidel's, and they're going to wait. As soon as George and uh, Carlos walk in, they'll say, who's them guys? Who the hell are you? Yeah, who the hell are you? you? That's what they'll say. And also... If that isn't enough to whet your appetite for some real excitement this weekend, come by the Castaway Seafood Company located on the corner of University and Griffin Road, Monday, September 30th. That's this coming Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. George will be there also as he's starting to really make the rounds after a very, very mediocre summer, I mean, a great summer filling in. George will be there with a QM prize van. And now is Miguel going to be in on that one or what? Probably drink Carlos specials. will show up for some free food. And Carlos and... will be there and Miguel also. Anytime there's drink specials, Miguel will be there. Get him drunk, and maybe you'll get lucky. Who knows? He's not choosy. He's Cuban. Anyway, in fact, uh, that's quite a trifecta. we got George, Miguel, and Carlos. We're going to have three spicks there Monday night at uh, whatever that place is. What is it? At Castaways. I got it. Just relax, okay? Don't be interrupting here. I got everything <laughs> under control. Yeah. Man, talk about hyper and hysterical. Just calm down. You're a little bit on edge lately. Probably because you haven't got that uh, rest of that bonus yet. The rest of it. Oh, you haven't or got the, any of it? the first of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, just relax. How about how about my uh, Panther money? Uh, my check did finally show up yesterday, a day late. You think my Panther uh, tickets money is in there yet? No. No. No, that's the word. 171 votes. Here's the final tally before Eric finally gets around to the other one. Did I read all the stuff? Carrot Top was the last one. Condoleezza Rice. You should read yeah, it again she... real quick because I wrote this list down. Okay, I, if you could program myself. on your TV to block out any one person in the world, who would it be? When in doubt, block them out. Brian Norcross. Oh, it's coming back, by the way, Brian. It's strengthening again. He's the kind of guy you'd like to hit with a fly swatter, you know, and that's about all it would take. That's going to be our poll question Monday. Can't ask Mas Macho, Brian Norcross, or um, Bill Kamal, the weather fairies. Brian Norcross, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Jesse J- uh, Jackson, George W. Bush, Billy Mays, the Orange Glow infomercial guy. Am I going too fast? No, you're fine. Well, you should have these by now. Right. Bill O'Reilly, Shepard Smith, Carrot Top. See, Shepard Smith, to me, he's the epitome of Fox News Network. Absolutely Bush League. I mean, that morning show with those giggling idiots and that sports guy who's also a news guy who's an expert on everything in the world. The, the whole thing is just so uh, bizarre. Bush League. Uh, Shepard Smith, Carrot Top, Larry King, don't leave him out. Uh-huh. Martha Stewart, Emeril Lagasse, Bam! Richard Quest, Al Sharpton, Steve from the Dell Computer Spots, Jim Rome and Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza. That's it. We got Condoleezza, Condoleezza, please go away. Go away, Condoleezza. You make me nauseous. Talk about a lightweight. But she used to be one of the head honchos at Chevron for several years there. And uh, Cheney and George W., who started out in the oil industry. All these people have O-I-L. Just ties them all together. You know what? That's why they're so slippery. they got lots of O-I-L. There you go. Those results are off. We do. We're not going to be disrespectful anymore to Mo on this show, okay? There were 11 people. I feel bad about that. And plus, he's starting to make caustic comments about dancing monkeys or stuff like that. That's not good. I mean, it's one thing to have this uh, feud, that this one-sided feud that he created because he's a hard-ass old uh, dickhead. That's one thing. But it's another thing when you start being disrespectful to your colleagues. You know what I'm saying? Yo, 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 let's rape So I don't think we ought to be playing that anymore, and I especially don't think we ought to play Because then that fish guy will be calling him up every day and going, out. Oh, you got to admit that uh, Neil's pretty funny with that stuff. Fish, thank you again, Fish. But we're not playing any more of that stuff on this show. Do, 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 do. Are we? 
Huh? Oh, that's right. I forget. You're noncommittal. You're right. such a pussy, such a wimp, such a wuss. Here I just get through reading two of promos for these uh, bogus deals he's got on the side so he can pay his goddamn bookie and his uh, drug guy. Now, you don't see that guy in Davy, do you, that uh, Todd knows? No. You know what I mean, Steve and Davy? No, never met the man. Oh. Todd has, I guess. So that's the rumor. Anyway, you know, I'm going to get that Todd wreck. I'm going to, I, well, I'm going to just, when I get back there, I'm going to take a red hot poker and shove it up his. Wreck him. Man. If anybody deserves it, if anybody has merited that. And, and the amazing part of it is that those people there, they just, uh, hands off, you know, muff and uh, Clarence. Well, what's the story with Clarence? Is he still working there or is he gone? No, we see him. Did they just humor, did sure. they humor him for a couple of weeks after Muff came back and say, "Oh, Clarence, don't worry, you're really the program director. Go in there and sit in that office there. You're really still a PD. I don't hear a word from him." Little punk. Now he's all right. Clarence is okay. Although my check did show up a day late this week, Clarence, you've been doing such a good job. I think the pressure since Muff came back, he can't cope with that pressure of Muff kind of like hovering over his shoulder, you know, real close. Twelve minutes after ten at five sixty WQM. Speaking of pressure, we got the event of the century coming up this coming Monday. I hope. I sure hope we don't change it on me after this big build-up. The brand new pizza lounge opens Monday in the plantation, wherever it is. There you go. Pizza Loft, which you know and love for so many years now, they're on University Drive in Broward between Griffin and 595 and the prestigious Pizza Loft Plaza right beyond Pier 1 Imports and Kitty Corner, the Armadillo Cafe with all that tons and tons of free parking. Pizza Loft is opening a second location in Broward. Now it's unbelievable, but it's true. And it's right behind my favorite Walgreens. Excellent spot. Well, I guess there could have been a better spot in terms of seeing it from the road, something like that, but an excellent spot because once everybody knows about it, they'll be pouring in there, trust me. Say hi to Marcy at Walgreens, and she'll point it right. In fact, you look through the drive-through window there right, for your drugs and the prescription thing at Walgreens, and she looks right out the window, and there's a pizza loft sign staring her right in the puss. Don't worry, Marcy. I'll take care of you. Hey, Jeff, take good care of Marcy. At, well, of course, he's going to have 50 women coming in there saying, Oh, I'm Marcy from Walgreens. I want a free a free meal. And all he'll have to do is say, Oh, sorry, can't can't accommodate you, Marcy. The rumors just left. Anyway, every Monday at the Pizza Loft is uh, lasagna night, Tuesday's eggplant night. And, of course, uh, buy one of these dinners on these nights, get the second for only 5 bucks. I wonder if they're going to have all the same deals at the new Pizza Loft, you think? I'm sure they will. And you know what else I wonder? I wonder if they're ever going to tell us. Now, who inherited this account? Oh, guess whose account it is now? Oh, could it be Scott's? It probably must be Skippy. Since uh, our good friend Brian Schmutz is gone, and he, he they gave him all of these great accounts that Brian had. Nice gone, Brian. Not that we needed Brian for the pizza lot. Anyway, they got delicious Italian goodies. They got your chicken dishes and veal and seafood, Fugaza pizza, three different kinds of great pizza, calzone, super subs, great garlic rolls, delicious food, big fresh portions, teeny tiny prices, a great place for you and a whole gang. For takeout, for delivery, for uh, catering, call 954-916-8880. 954-916-8880. And don't forget, big day coming on Monday. Yeah, I think it, I think it merits the second drum roll. It's so big. It's huge. It's gigantic. It's monumental. <laughs> the brand new pizza loft in Plantation opens Monday, right behind Walgreens on the corner of Knob Hill and Plantation in that little uh, joint over there. Live and local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. 
Friday, you bastards. Jose made them have rough sex. Jose made them have rough sex. Price tag was a new Rolex. Price tag was a new Rolex. Jose six feet underground. Jose six feet underground. Lyle's wigs in lost and found. Lyle's wigs in lost and found. Kitty said, Lyle, you're a fake. Kitty said, Lyle, you're a fake. Snatch that wig off, piece of cake. Snatch that wig off, piece of cake. Chased her up and down the stair. Chased her up and down the stair. Screaming, give me back my hair. Screaming, give me back my hair. Eric said, I never knew. Eric said, I never knew. My brother's queer and chrome dome too. My brother's queer and chrome dome too. Lyle said, Eric, shut your mouth. Lyle said, Eric, shut your mouth. Are these thumbtacks be going south? Are these thumbtacks be going south? Now get upstairs and brush your teeth. Now get upstairs and brush your teeth. Then stick that toothbrush underneath. Then stick that toothbrush underneath. Rough sex. Rough sex. Nice sex. Nice sex. Knee sex. Knee sex. Just sex. Just sex. And just when you think that you're never going to hear about them again, all of a sudden they're on there with Baba. Did you hear that thing on that spot? No, I didn't. You weren't paying no attention to that spot about how Baba Altwalder has interviewed this broad that married one no. of them and ended. What? Oh, there's another one for the poll. Oh, man. Barbara yeah. freaking Wawa. Okay. Eric can handle it. Barbara Walters, we still have time. We just got some preliminary votes coming in right now. The uh, new poll is up on neilrogers.com. Did Let's you get see, the facts from Lynn, by the way? I got it right. Well, you, you're just out of control, man. I got it right here in my hand. And the facts, too. Boy, you are just psychotic. He's starting to get like the beast now, you know? It's lots of coffee this morning. George W., five. They'd like to program him out. Steve on the adult computer spot. Hey, man, it's Steve. He's got three. Dr. Phil's got a pair. Oprah's got a pair. Uh, Jesse Jackson be having a pair. I voted for him. And we're just getting some preliminary votes. It just popped up only moments ago. So my good, close, personal friend, Lynn, writes, Now, why does she keep uh, emailing Boca Brian? Because he actually answers his emails and looks at his emails? No, but she says she can never get a fax due to us. Why is that? How is that possible? Well, I don't know. <coughs> but anyway, she says, add Ann Coulter to the poll. Absolutely. Good, good choice. Ann Coulter's on there, and who's the other one we just put on? Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. Thanks, Lynn. You're the best. And thanks for all the good stuff on your website, by the way. Let's see. Here's uh, this. I, I don't have time to read this yet. Anyway, for the poll, let's see. Uh, jab, uh, okay. This is disturbing. I better get back to doing my stuff here. You know what? I'm starting to get sidetracked. I feel like I haven't talked about anything worthwhile like in about a half an hour here, other than uh, I'm disrespectful. Well, tough crap, okay? Tough titty. How do you like that? Fish likes my stuff. If anybody else out there don't like my crap, too bad. School board votes to allow creationism in class. Do you know where what state this is? Every No, even worse. Georgia. Mm. Georgia. Gee, what a surprise. I wonder how Ray Charles is doing. Is he still alive? He's still alive, ain't he? Last time Georgia. A suburban Atlanta school board last night voted unanimously to allow teachers to introduce students to different views about the origins of life, among them creationism. Oi! The Cobb County Board of Education, the state's second largest school board, approved the policy change after limited discussion, calling it a necessary element of providing a balanced education. <laughs> the board's vote drew cheers from some and expressions of dismay from others in the packed meeting room. They were packing it. 
This supposed victory by proponents of alternate theories was shallow, very shallow, said Jeffrey Selman, who opposes the teaching of creationism in schools. We're going to be watching this very closely. As Sammy Davis would say, we're going to keep our eye on it. As Columbo would say, oh, Peter Falk was on uh, biography uh, the other day. Wish I'd seen it. Pretty good. The board's decision pleased Michael Gray, a Cobb High School junior. I had to do a term about evolution, and there were just things I could disprove or have alternate reasons for, Gary, uh, Gray told the Associated Press. I want my brother and sister to be given the, uh, the option, not, not told it's the absolute truth. Right, Garrett Gray, what Michael, whatever your name is. High school junior in Atlanta. Oh, God. A lawsuit filed last month by someone in the ACLU prompted the board to reconsider its policy. Someone who has a son in Cobb School sued the system because some middle and high school science textbooks include a disclaimer telling students that evolution is a theory and not a fact. He argued that the disclaimer was a step toward introducing religion in schools, which, of course, as we all know, is unconstitutional, or at least was until this president came into power and his fascist uh, supporters. Some educators agree. This is an intrusion of theological views into the classroom, said Wyatt Anderson, dean of the Franklin College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Georgia. What our students need to learn is science. And he is absolutely correct, sir. Cobb school officials took another look at the policy and discussed the, uh, amending it to include other theories, said board member Lindsay Tippins. Yeah, like uh, somebody made it out of green cheese. How's that? That's my theory. The new policy said drops a provision barring the district from teaching views contrary to family values, which he said had been struck down by the courts. We're just cleaning up an old policy, Tippins said, who added that officials don't want to force religion thought on religious thought on students. Right. Larry Taylor, who has three children in the Cobb County School, says he doesn't advocate creationism, but he believes evolution should not be presented as the only acceptable theory. It's not a theory, you asshole. It's a fact. You idiot, you simpleton, you mugwump, you Georgia mugwump uh, uh, butt uh, sniffer. There are a lot of things that could go after butt, you know, especially in your case. Evolution has not been proven, said Taylor, who joined the debate over what should be taught in Cobb schools after reading about the ACLU lawsuit. There are a growing number of scientists who are skeptical about Darwinism. Huh? The debate three. Those aren't real scientists. The debate of teaching. Oh, as a matter of fact, evolution. I saw a thing the other day about uh, antibiotics and how ineffective they are because of the fact that we're over antibiotic, you know, and all these new Correct. strains keep evolving. And there's an example of evolution happening right now you in your lifetime, right before our eyes. You can see it under the goddamn microscope in the laboratory with or without Dr. Frankenstein. How do you like that? There's evolution. Oh. Shut up. The debate of teaching about the origin of these species is not limited to suburban Georgia. Ohio educators and parents are split over teaching intelligent design. <laughs> intelligent design. I guess they never were at QAM, which theorizes that life was designed by a higher power. In Kansas last year, the State Board of Education voted to restore the theory of evolution to its curriculum, which had been removed in a controversial vote two years earlier. How do you like that, Georgia? They're doing it in Georgia, baby. Georgia on our mind. Oh, better get this uh, Howard Stern thing in here, and uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jeremy Shockey. Okay. New York Giants rookie Jeremy Shockey apologized for comments about gays made two weeks ago during an appearance on the Howard Sperm radio show. During the 9-10 interview, Stern asked Shockey if he thought there were any gay players in the NFL. If I knew there was a gay guy in my college football team, I probably wouldn't, you know, stand for it, Jeremy Shockey, when asked if he had gay teammates at Miami. I don't know, Shockey said. I don't like to think about that. I hope not. The star tight end was also asked if he had any gay teammates at the University of Miami. No, I mean, I, if I knew there was a gay guy in my college football team, I probably, uh, you know, wouldn't stand for it. You know, I think, you know, they're going to be in the shower with us and stuff, so I don't think that's going to work. On Thursday, Shockey apologized for his comment, saying he was trying to be funny and it wasn't his intention to offend anyone. 
It's just a show for comedy, Shockey told the New York Daily News. I guess I don't, I do regret saying it. He regrets saying it because it blew up in his face, that's why. I didn't think any, because he ain't no, uh, what's his name, Reggie White. I didn't think anyone was going to make a big deal out of it. I'm not prejudiced against anybody's beliefs or what they do in their off time or how they get off. I do regret saying something like that. Whatever I did to offend people, I apologize, he said. I'm not prejudiced in any way. Sid Ziegler, I think that's the name, but the, uh, the facts is screwed up here. The president of Outsports.com, a website for gay sports fans and athletes that published the uh, partial transcript, said he didn't believe Shockey's explanation. Having heard the tape and heard the tone in which he said it, I don't, he didn't like the tone, so we don't believe it, Ziegler told the newspaper. There was not an ounce of joking in it. How is it what he said funny? Someone doesn't believe those things doesn't say those things. Someone who doesn't have a problem with gays just doesn't say, I hope there are no gays in the NFL. If I'm a gay player on this team, I just took another step back into the closet. The Giants apparently were not happy with Shockey's decision to appear on the Stern Show in the first place, and the team's vice president of communications, Pat Hanlon, said the tight end's views don't reflect those of the organization, and he believes Shockey's sorry for the comments. It wasn't funny, Hanlon told the Daily News. If Jeremy Shockey tells me it was a poor attempt at humor, I believe him. But let's put his comments in perspective. It's Howard Sperm. It's not 60 Minutes. It's not a forum on the sociological issues of our time. I thought that Howard Stern did a show on the sociological issues of our time, huh? That's right. I thought he was an angry prophet denouncing the hypocrisy of our time. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Afraid. Be very afraid. here on a uh, poll, but I'm sure Eric is working on that right now as we speak. Ann Coulter? Did we ever, I don't think we ever got that far. What do you mean by that? Did you actually say, put that on there? Okay. Yes, I did. See, I think you and Eric are like, uh, have got the same illness. Maybe you caught it over the phone from him. Hearing aids. It's called non-compass penis. Anyway, 92 votes. Richard Quest and Emeril Legassi and Shepard Smith, they don't have any yet. Don't you think they're going to feel a little left out? It's like insensitive. Barbara Walters and Condoleezza each have one. Brian Norcross, Billy Mays, the orange glow guy that uh, Carlos loves, he's got a pair, a small pair. Bill O'Reilly's got a small pair. Larry King be having three. See, now that thing is changing again on me. I hate that. 
like I said, Bill O'Reilly and Larry King each have three. Dr. Phil's got three. Romy's got four. Martha Stewart, five. Al Sharpton, seven. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Oprah has got eight. Steve, the Al Computer Spot dude, nine. Jesse Jackson be having ten, including my vote. Who'd you vote for? G-W. Oh, that's right, W. I'll oh, see, that was too obvious. Sorry. Carrot Top, twelve. And George W., he wins all the polls, good ones, bad ones. He's on top, baby. Oh! George W. is in a league by himself. He's got 27 votes. He's off and running. Boy allegedly abused by Cantor will not undergo evaluations. Norristown, Pennsylvania. A 12-year-old boy allegedly abused by a New York City Cantor. Oi! Will not have to undergo psychiatric and medical evaluations that were requested by the Cantor's attorneys, the judge ruled yesterday. Attorneys for Howard Nevison, 61, of Congregation Emanuel, had asked for evaluations to determine if the boy was mentally competent to testify and if there were any physical signs of abuse. Montgomery County Judge Paul Tressler turned down the requests. I expect the child will be extremely relieved that he won't have to be exposed to these humiliating processes again, said County First Assistant District Attorney Reza Vetri Furman. Always am very nervous about people with three names. Defense Attorney Ralph Jacobs said, We're disappointed that the District Attorney is resisting our efforts for information to shed light on the incredible and constantly changing story by the boy. At a hearing earlier this month, Defense Attorney said they thought a concussion suffered by the boy while playing hockey could have affected his memory. How about those Panthers? Oh! I think they got a game against, uh, aren't they home and home with Tampa Bay? I think this weekend exhibition games. I believe so. I didn't hear one word speaking of that. I heard nothing this morning. Geldy has been declawed, okay? I was going to say devolved, but I think that happened a long time ago. He's been declawed. I never heard one word about the Panthers, about the exhibition hockey games this weekend, about the Macarena, now known as the uh, Office Depot, uh, home, uh, whatever it is, uh, center. Boy, he is losing it. They also said they wanted their own physician to examine the boy's genitals to check the claim by the prosecution's doctor that he found evidence of scarring. The boy has said that his uncle pinched him in the genital area. He pinched it. Nevison is accused of sexually abusing his brother's son three times between 1993 and 97 when the boy was between the ages of three and seven. The boy earlier testified in the prosecution of his cousin and another uncle who were convicted of sexually abusing him in unrelated incidents. Nevison is free on a quarter million dollars in bail. Former California priests charged with felony child abuse and a third is sought. Two former Roman Catholic priests were charged with molesting children and an arrest warrant was issued for a third former priest who was apparently outside the country. Michael Baker, 54, who was moved from parish to parish after admitting to Cardinal Roger Mahoney that he molested boys, was charged with 29 counts of sexual misconduct with a minor, prosecutors be saying yesterday. Baker was one of four former priests targeted for arrest this week, marking the first criminal cases in Southern California since the nationwide sex abuse scandal erupted in January. Also charged yesterday was Carlos René Rodriguez, 46. Your kin? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All those Rodriguez's, man. 46, a former priest suspected of molesting a 12-year-old altar boy over a two-year period, ending in 87. He pleaded innocent to eight counts of lewd acts upon a child at a hearing in L.A. Superior Court. Bail was set at 400 grand. No professional occupation is immune from civil authority in the operation of the criminal justice system, L.A. County D.A. Steve Cooley said. In other words, maybe they finally got somebody they can convict, but don't bet on it. L.A. police also said an arrest warrant's been issued for former priest George Rucker. Rhymes with all-day sucker. Authorities allege Rucker, who had been assigned to three parishes in the L.A. area, molested 16 women in L.A. County from 47 to 79. Rucker, 82, was removed by the Archdiocese in April. His attorney told prosecutors he's traveling outside the country. He's not a fugitive. He's just on a holiday, said Donald Steer, who represents Rucker. You think maybe he's like in Costa Rica, one of those places? Maybe he's on a Roman holiday. Maybe, or he's just Roman. 
Speaking of sex, I guess we better do this after the break. We don't want to have to rush through that, okay? The sex no, story. rush through sex. Yes, mom and dad, under your roof, and probably they are rushing through it because it's happening in their homes. You see that thing about how uh, these kids? No, I didn't know the story, but I knew all about that. No, I mean, everybody knew about that, and, of course, they spring it on us like it's a big surprise. Hey, guess what, mom, mom and dad? You better check what's going on upstairs, you know? <clears throat> While you sit down there passed out in a drunken stupor with your popcorn and all your other crap, your Tostitos and Doritos and all this other artery-clogging dreck. Upstairs, baby, they're... That's right, screwing our brains out. 1038 at 560 QAM. Hey, it's Howard. Howard Spam. What's that crap they played down the hall? That's power! What garbage. The kids today don't know what's good. Like that song, uh, I'm happy I live in a split-level head. You remember that? <laughs> How can you... Listen. I'm happy I live in the split-level head. I'm happy I live in the split-level head. You don't remember that? No. No? Why am I surrounded by morons? Come on, Howie. Don't you call me Howie. No. I've had enough in support of nature from you, pal. No. Calm down, will you? You oh. shut up, fatso. Okay, that's it. You're all fired. You fat, stupid boob. You listen to me. You're fired. I'll be the ghost for you, too. You know who I am? I'm the king of paradise. <laughs> I came down here after losing my job to be a big fish in a little pond. When they kicked me off ESPN, they told me don't come back again. I had some problems with wise guys who advised I move to paradise. Florida. Fire! That back deal ain't no Louis Nye. That guy was funny. You're all fired! And I hope that chick does what dies. I hope he dies! I hope you all die! I'm a big fish in a little pond, see? A big fish in a little pond! Is anybody listening to me? I'm a big fish in a little pond! A big fish in a little pond! A big fish in a little pond! Yeah! What is anybody into me? Disrespectful. 1045 at 560 WQM. Happy Friday to you. Anyway, the uh, Michael Isikoff piece from uh, Newsweek that was just faxed that you sent to me? Yes. It's great. Um, Ashcroft's Baghdad connection, but it's very long. Yes, Let's uh, wait till Monday on that. All right. Okay? We have a lot of other fish to fry here, so to speak. Big fish mm, and little pond, things fish. like that. <clears throat> well, I'm starting to think about lunch now. It's not even 11 o'clock, and you got me thinking about lunch already. Fish fry. Like that place I went yesterday where they have uh, too much food for it. It was very good, though, but they just give you too goddamn much. So instead of getting, like, the gigantic bathtub full of soup, I'll get, like, the uh, small cup of soup. The the 10-quart terrine, the smaller one. I'm, I'm serious. You could have, there are people like Todd Dreck, that little uh, piece of crap. You could have like drowned him in that bowl. That's how big it was. In fact, something to think about. Yes, mom and dad, under your roof, there's stuff going on, okay? Squirt, squirt. Parents wondering if their teenagers are having sex might look upstairs or down the hall. New research finds most sexually active teens first had sex in their parents' homes, typically late at night. The findings being released, uh, they were released yesterday. Should dispel myths that teens are most often having sex after school when parents are still at work, researchers said. The message from parents experts says nothing new. Be aware of what your kids are up to. 
See if it's up. Kids no longer need to drive to a lookout point to have sex, said Sarah Brown, director of the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy. The data suggests the adults may be in the house. If that's the case, then there ought to be like condoms laying around all over the house, you know what? And, and bowls, giant bowls of them. Yeah, like you got one bowl for the cookies and one for the condoms. Right. By the time students are in the ninth grade, 34% have had sexual intercourse. That rises to 60% by the 12th grade. Now, let's see, ninth grade would be uh, about what, 15? Uh, 14. No. Okay. I have a 14-year-old in ninth grade. Well, 14 or 15. 10th, 11th, 12th. I mean, how old are you when okay, you graduate? No, you can, you 18? can turn 15 during, uh, during the ninth grade, sure. Or you can turn Japanese. So anyway, 34% by the age of 14, by 14, so that's even uh, more amazing. That rises to 60% by 12th grade, which that's 18. And guess what, parents? If you ain't got laid by the time you're 18, you're just not going to get laid, okay? This ain't going to happen. <laughs> now, am I right? I think it's a good principle. In his case. I'm not talking about in general. I just mean in his case. The report by researchers at Child Trends is based on a national teen survey that began tracking about 8,000 teens since 1997, the ages of the teens range from 12 to 16 when the survey began, and researchers have interviewed the same group every year since then. <clears throat> the report looks specifically at the 664 teens who reported having sex for the first time between 1999 and 2000. Of those surveyed in 2000, 56% said they first had sex at their family's home or at the home of their partner's family. Another 12% had their first sex at a friend's house. 9% of a teen's own home. Huh? That was me. <clears throat> At a teen's own home? I was 18 with my own home and uh, lots of sex, let me tell you. Oh, I see. 4% in a truck or a car, 3% at a park or other outdoor place, and 3% at a hotel or motel. 10% said someplace else. Like, you know, maybe it's sawgrass. That's only if they're going to interview like the governor's kid. <laughs> the findings reinforce earlier research that parents can have a significant impact on their children's decisions about sex, Brown said. This notion that it's impossible to supervise kids is ludicrous if a lot of them are having sex in the rec room, she said. Earlier this month, researchers reported that teenage girls who are close to their moms are more likely to stay virgins. That report by the researchers at University of Minnesota also found that half the mothers of sexually active teens didn't realize their children were having sex. Further, while the vast majority of mothers strongly disapprove of their teenagers having sex, large numbers of teens don't realize how their moms feel. Well, feel this. Parents need to know where their children are and what they're doing, Brown said. This is not a new idea. As for timing, yesterday's report found 42% of teens said their first sexual encounter was at night between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. That's that old right. sneaking in the window thing, you know, at 3 in the morning. Another 28% said it was in the evening between 6 and 10 p.m. Just 15% said it was in the late afternoon between 3 and 6 p.m. That cuts against the conventional wisdom against uh, among parents and policymakers that teens are more at risk of sex after school, said Jennifer Manlove. A researcher at Child Trends. That's her name, okay? M-A-N-L-O-V-E. Jennifer Manlove. A researcher at Child Trends. Research has shown that teens are more likely to commit crime during after-school hours, Brown said. But people are wrongly assume that the same goes for sex. That's right. They don't have time to be screwing when they're out there like uh, busting 7-Elevens and stuff like that. That's her name, okay? Jennifer Manlove. The national, wait till you hear this, the National Longitudinal Survey of Youth did not look at whether teens were having sex on weeknights or weekends. The longitudinal, you know what they study, how long it Lengths, is. Yeah. 
and it did not ask parents if they were if the parents were home at the time. Although the survey has been interviewing teens since '97, it's the first year questions about where and when teens first had sex were asked. As America continues fumbling around in the Stone Age, they're doing it. Oh no, they're doing it. They're upstairs doing it. This is from the Washington Times, hardly a bastion of liberal thinking, but nevertheless, that makes it even more uh, meaningful. Did you read this? No. Agency disavows report on Iraq arms by Joseph Curl in the Washington Times. By the way, George W. is leading by a mile in our poll. If you could program your TV to block out one person, who would that person be? If you had like a little chip. I'll tell you, speaking of chip, I'd like to block out Eric Estrada. Okay. But luckily, we don't see him no more. Oh yeah, you do. Smoke oh, signals. Is he? He's what? He's doing. He's doing low rent telephone spots. He was also peddling some uh, quack diet stuff too there for a while until they forced it off the air. Poor Erica Strada, man, she's a wreck. George W. Thirty-nine. Jesse Jackson, twenty. Carrot Top, sixteen. Steve, the Dell computer dude, thirteen. Oprah, twelve. Al Sharpton, ten. Dr. Phil, 5. See, Dr. Phil hasn't had his own show long enough yet for them to hate him quite that much. Bill O'Reilly, 5. Martha Stewart, 5. Larry King has 5. Jim Rome. Romy's got 4. Ryan Norcross, only 2. Now, doesn't that surprise you? No, not really. Huh? Billy Mays, the Orange Glow commercial uh, guy. It's Billy Mays for Orange Glow. I got 4 million oranges here. What am I going to do with them? Put them in a bottle and sell them to you. Man, oh man. And you know it must be really expensive stuff because if you order like one bottle, they give you 600 bottles for free. Have you ever noticed that? No, because of course I've never seen it. But Carlos, but Carlos has. has noticed it. Yeah, yes. I've noticed. Condoleezza Rice, too. Barbara Walters and Ann Coulter each have one. I can't imagine a vote for Ann Coulter. And no votes for Shepard Smith, Emeril Lagasse, or Richard Quest. <laughs> yet. I guess they haven't caught wind of his breath yet. Ooh. Joseph Curl writes in the Washington Times, agency disavows report on Iraq arms. The International Atomic Energy Commission, I'm sorry, let me get it right. The International Atomic Energy Agency says a report cited by President Bush as evidence that Iraq in 1998 was six months away from developing a nuclear weapon does not exist. The report doesn't exist. There's never been a report like that issued from this agency. Mark Gwazdecki, the IAEA's chief, remember we were talking about him the other day, I still couldn't pronounce his name. Right. Mark Gwazdecki, the IAEA's chief spokesman, said yesterday in a telephone interview from the agency's headquarters in Vienna, Austria. We've never put a time frame on how long it might take Iraq to construct a nuclear weapon in 1998, said the spokesman of the agency charged with assessing Iraq's nuclear capability for the U.N. In a September 7th news conference with Prime Minister Tony Blair, Mr. Bush said, I would remind you that when the inspectors first went into Iraq and were denied, finally denied access in 98, a report came out of the atomic, the IAEA, that they were six months away from developing a weapon. I don't know what more evidence we need, said the president, defending his administration's case that Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein was building weapons of mass destruction. The White House says Mr. Bush was referring to an earlier IAEA report. He's referring to 91 there, said Deputy Press Secretary Scott McClellan. In 91, there was a report saying that after the war, they found out they were about six months away. Mr. Gwadzdecki said no such report was ever issued by the IAEA in 91. Is this, I mean, and you know something? It doesn't make any difference. That's no, apparently point. not. Many news agencies, including the Washington Times, reported Mr. Bush's September 7th comments as referring to a 1998 IAEA report. The White House did not ask for a correction from the Times. To clear up the confusion, Mr. Clellan cited two news articles from 91, a July 16th story in the London Times by Michael Evans and a July 18th story in the New York Times by Paul Lewis, but neither article cites an IAEA report on nuclear 
on Iraq's nuclear weapon program or states that Saddam was only six months away from developing a weapon as claimed by Mr. Bush. The article by Mr. Evans says, Jay Davis, an American expert working for the U.N. Special Commission charged with removing Iraq's nuclear capability, said Iraq was only six months away from the large-scale production of enriched uranium at two plants inspected by U.N. officials. The Lewis article said Iraq in 1991 had a uranium enrichment plant using electromagnetic technology that was about six months from becoming operational. In October 98, just before Saddam kicked U.N. weapons inspectors out of Iraq, the IAEA laid out a case opposite of Mr. Bush's September 7th declaration. There are no indications that there remains in Iraq any physical capability for the production of weapon-usable nuclear material of any practical significance, IAEA Director General Mohammed El-Baradi wrote in a report to U.N. Secretary General Kofi Annan. Mr. Bush and Mr. Blair on September 7th cited an agency report declaring that satellite photography revealed the Iraqis had undertaken new construction at several nuclear-related sites. This week, the IAEA said no such report existed. The IAEA also took issue with a September 9th report by the International Institute for Strategic Studies, cited by the Bush administration, that concludes Saddam could build a nuclear bomb within months if he were able to obtain fissile material. There is no evidence in our view that can be substantiated in Iraq's nuclear weapons program. If anybody tells you they know the nuclear situation in Iraq right now in the absence of four years of inspections, I would say they're misleading you because there isn't solid evidence out there, Mr. Gwazdecki said. I don't know where they've determined that Iraq has retained this much weaponization capability because when we left in December 98, we concluded that we had neutralized their nuclear weapons program. We had confiscated their fissile material. We destroyed all their key buildings and equipment. He said, Mr. Gwazdecki said, there is no evidence about Saddam's nuclear capability right now, either through his organization, other agencies, or any government, period. How do you like that, huh? You don't think they're lying to us, do you? I think they're lying to everybody. No. I think they're lying. You're such a cynic, George. They wouldn't lie to us. The U.S. government would lie to us? No. No. That couldn't possibly happen. Not in the land of the formerly free in the home of many graves. Right. Why would they? No, they wouldn't do that. What do they have to gain? O-I-L-M-O-N-E-Y. Those things keep going through my mind over and over again. Live, Live and local. We are Sports Radio 560. Q-A-N. Friday, you bastard. Hey there, coconut heads. It's me, Janet Boobs of Granite Reno. And I am hot, man. I am P.O.'d. Just plain old hacked off. What in the name of Sam Hill happened is what I want to know. First they had trouble with dangling chads. Now they got these touchscreen jobbies that don't work worth a crap. I think they got them from JetBlue. They're some of them old ones they used to play electronic poker on. I mean, heavens to Betsy, this is voting. It's serious. I know that after the recount, I will be the victor. Actually, let me clarify. I will still be Janet, but I'll also be victor. Capiche? I got half a mind to get my red Toyota 4x4 pickup and head down to Havana. I'll load up some locals and put this thing over the tap. The biggest problems were in Dade and Broward counties, two of my strongest areas. I mean, I personally slept with over 4,000 men and women in those aforementioned areas, which should have secured me certain victory. But instead, I got to put a hold ski on my new victory party. Ah, hammers and nails, I'm freaking. Not to mention in the middle of this whole mess of crap, one of my beans went bad on me. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that little bastard Ilian Gonzalez had something to do with this. 
either that or that Dan Marino. I never bought into that whole isotoner glove dealy, Bab. You ain't heard the last from Janet Boobs at Granite Reno, Florida. I'm sure of that. 1102 at 560 WQM. How do you like this fax about the Donahue? And they got it wrong. I don't dislike Phil. I even forgave him for his uh, Ralph Nader brain fart. Yeah. I just feel sorry for him because he's uh, over the hill. He's weak. And nobody's watching his show. Oh, no. Paper jam. Oh, no. Uh-oh. And I just sent a really important fax, too. Just relax, okay? We don't need all that. Let, what's, uh, what show was that? Was that the uh, Gay Gourmet? <laughs> I don't know. It's been all <clears> That was a theme song, I think, or from one of those shows. Maybe one of the travel shows. Hey, are they still showing naked people on the travel channel? All the time. All right. I think we do have a tra- travel channel here, but it's not the same one. Damn it. Uh, uh, okay, here's the important thing. Do I want to... Uh, oh, sure, let's put Jeff Cohen on the air. Oh, can I just finish this thing first? Sure. One thing at a time, since he wants to whore the show. Uh, I didn't listen yesterday, but did you see the Donahue show two nights ago? See, this is about the um, Christian-owned companies buying up the um, radio stations. Right. Which I had that story on days and days ago. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And also, so they can dump trash like me and push their uh, Christian right-wing agenda. Now these good Christians want to take porn movies out of hotel rooms, and next they'll uh, buy up all the cable companies will only get G-rated movies. You're absolutely correct, sir, because that's what they want. They want to Christianize and sanitize while they're doing their hanky-panky. And speaking of hanky-panky, is he on the line? We're, uh, we're calling him. He left his oh, cell phone, so we have to call him. Why is that? Well, he didn't wait on hold or nothing. Well, why not? Well, what the hell is wrong with him? Is he, like, phone? busy or something? Probably busy. He's a guy with all of his money, ponytail, and all the free plugs that we give him for Christ's sakes. Well, why are you trying to get a hold of him? Join George and Carlos tomorrow, 11 to 1, at Bill Seidel's Boulevard of Savings in Miami, just west of 27th Avenue on Northwest 36th Street. Stop by for some marginal prizes and free food, excellent food, from Atlantic City Subs, where the bread makes the difference, and we love Ira, good guy. Not a big fat mouth, not like Scott, but a good guy. And come by the Castaway Seafood Company, located on the corner of University and Griffin Road, Monday night, September 30th, 6 to 8 p.m., George will be there, and Miguel and Carlos and a bunch of other freeloaders with a QM prize van for great food and drink specials, too. Now, what is it that you're doing? I give up. Because I could have called the White House and gotten through it to the president. It was busy. Fast <clears throat> Jeff Cohen. And it was busy. Yeah. Wait, we got him. He's on there. What is it? He's on there. Punch him Who's up. on there? Jeff Cohen? Hello. Yes, sir. Hello, Neil. How you doing? I'm stressing. Stressing about what? Uh, getting all everything ready for Monday. Piece of cake, baby. In fact, I bet you Marcy will be your first freeloader, I mean customer on Monday. Uh-huh. We're in the kitchen right now. I'm at the new store doing prep work and getting ready. Are you really? Well, you're going to have to uh-huh. count on me heavily because nobody can see that place from the road. I know. Way. I know. But that's cool. And you're coming back to town soon anyway, right? A couple of weeks, that's right. There you go. We'll make, we'll make it till then. It's been a battle, man. i got to tell you, I forgot how hard it was to do this stuff. Now, is that, is that because of uh, time constraints or because the city of Plantation busted your balls, or what is it? No, the city of Plantation was pretty good. It was really just a matter of starting from scratch, and uh, I got messed up with a computer company that didn't come through for me. And luckily, there's a local company called Pinnacle that did a system for me in 10 days, a uh, which normally yeah. takes six weeks because I couldn't have opened without it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're finishing that up today and tomorrow. That's where all the pressure is. Have you noticed something that we're actually talking on the phone? We got the phones fixed up here, and that's something. Oh, we're really yes, making sir. progress, man. In fact, we're getting so much straightened out up here. I might just not come back at all when you come right down to it. Well, come back for a little while, okay? 
piece of me. They all want a little piece of me. It's just no, embarrassing. A big, now let me uh, ask you: is it, Are the uh, deals going to be the same there? Is going to same free drugs and everything? Yes, absolutely. No, same seriously. Dirty stories. Monday night, lasagna night, all that stuff, right. all this, yep. so everything will yep. be the same. See, I mean, the only thing nice. that's not the same here is going to be the kids' night. We're not going to have a kids' night in the beginning. Well, why is that? Uh, because I haven't lined up a magician, or and I also want to make sure that everything is under control before we uh, start getting crazy here. When you first open, a lot of times you get one shot at a customer, and if it isn't going smooth and coming out the right way, it'll yeah. be six months before they come back again. That's what Joe Pesci was always bitching, too, that he only got one shot at a customer every now and then. Uh, Two or three shots at the bartender, though. Right. Well, that's great. So, what, so it'll be open officially for lunch on Monday? We're opening Monday, 11 a.m., seven days a week, day and night. Uh, we're not going to deliver the first few days that we're open once again to make sure we have everything smooth and under control. Yeah, you don't want to deliver no crappy pizza because that will be right. the end of you. Then as, yeah, as soon as we get that squared away, then we'll uh, start delivering. Well, this is going to be great. I think you're going to have a tremendous response because out there by me, man, there, there's not much. There's not yep. much at all. Yep. And to, to tell you, I mean, I that. can't say enough about this Pinnacle Computer Company because without them we wouldn't be open. <laughs> As I'm trying to get the guy to work overtime. Best of luck, Jeff. So, anyway, thank you very much. Say goodbye. Much. See you soon. All right. See you. Bye-bye. If he said that one more time, that would have been the end. Pinnacle. Oh, there's Ted Kennedy. In the cause of Weigh 600 pounds. That in the merits of their cause. I reject this, as should we all. 800 pounds. Easy. Okay. Yeah, up the whole screen. Let me say plainly, Go right ahead. I not only concede, but I am convinced that the President Bush believes genuinely in the course he urges upon us. And let me say with the same plainness, those who agree with that course have an equal obligation to resist any temptation to convert patriotism into politics. <clears throat> it is possible to love America while concluding that it is not now wise to go to war. The standard that should guide us is especially clear when lives are on the line. We must ask what is right for our country and not party. That is the true spirit of September 11th, not unthinking unanimity, but a clear-minded unity in our determination to defeat terrorism, to defend our values and the values of life itself. You notice the bottom of his ears are like, he's like a flap? Now that you mention it. You know what I'm saying? They're like flaps, you know, like if you're going to take off and go into flight. Although I think he's in danger of flying. No. 900 pounds, the human anchor, Ted Kennedy. Let him have it, Ted. Better boy. Shoe bomb explosives found on a Moroccan airliner. How come we haven't talked about this sooner? Don't know. And what was the name of that company, Pinnacle? <laughs> Computer. Expl I mean, you know, I understand he likes to get like that the Cisco Foods people right, over there sure. in New Orleans or wherever it is. I sure hope they mm -hmm. didn't all drown over there, Jeff. But man alive, talk about whoring the airwaves. That's okay. He's a good guy. But a little overdone there, don't you think? Pinnacle, was it? Yes. Explosives of the same type as found on the lead shoe bomber Richard Reed were discovered on a Moroccan jet after passengers left the flight at an airport in eastern France, authorities said yesterday. <clears throat> Officials said there was enough explosive material to blow up a plane. There was no detonator attached to the three ounces of explosives discovered in the passenger section of a Royal Air Maroc airplane on Wednesday night after landed at the Metz-Nancy-Lorraine airport, according to police. Judicial sources speaking on condition of 
anonymity, identified the explosive material as pentrite and said it was the same substance that Reed, a British citizen, allegedly tried to detonate on an American Airlines flight from Paris to Miami December 22th. The airline refused comment on the case. The explosives found Wednesday were wrapped in aluminum foil police and indicating it might have been in transit for delivery. The Boeing 737 originated in Marrakesh. Who did that song? Um, Crosby, Swills, and Nash? Yes, yes, indeed. Very good. Judicial sources said they've been unable to find a fuse mechanism needed for detonation. The explosives were found between armrests by dogs from the Customs Service as they performed a routine search of the plane. Anti-terrorism police were investigating the find along with the counterintelligence agency known as the DST. No connection, of course, to the DDT. Pentride is found in the plastic explosive Semtex, which was used in the bomb attack on Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland, in 1988, that killed 270 people. So they had bomb-sniffing dogs in there, and they just uh, happened to come across it. I didn't hear any bomb-sniffing cats, did you? <laughs> no. I, I may have missed that part of the story. I didn't hear any. <coughs> Merrill Aid cuts deal on Martha Probe. An assistant in Merrill Lynch and Company has agreed to plead guilty to a misdemeanor and testify against Martha Stewart and others in the federal investigation of stock sales in Imclone Systems last year. Oh! The Wall Street Journal reported in yesterday's editions. Prosecutors had sought to charge the assistant, Douglas Fanuel. Haven't they named a place in Boston after him, Fanuel Hall? It's spelled the same, by the way. Douglas Fanuel with a felony for making false statements to investigators, but later agreed to a misdemeanor in exchange for his cooperation, the newspaper said, citing people familiar with the discussions the charges expected to be filed within days. Through his lawyer, Fanuel declined to comment, as did the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York, the journal said. A spokesman for Stewart declined to comment, but in the past she's denied wrongdoing, as we know. Do we believe her? No. Merrill Lynch handled uh, Stewart's sale of nearly 4,000 influence shares in late December, shortly before the company announced the federal regulators would not review the company's cancer drug, Herbitux. Fanuel's plea deal, which remains subject to change, will not be final until it's entered in federal court, uh, yada, yada, yada. Stewart, as we all know, this is on CBSNews.com. Stewart was a contributor to the CBS News early show until the scandal broke last spring. And then the story just ends, as opposed to saying, and then we canned her ass, and then we wanted to avoid the embarrassment, we wanted to avoid the heat. The heat in the kitchen is supposed to be coming from the stove, not from Martha's ass. You see what we're saying? Rectum. That's it. Twelve minutes past uh, 11 at 560 WQM. What's that schedule look like? Boy, I haven't gotten into the schedule. I feel almost like Mo now, you know? That's bad. Is that monkey grinder still uh, working? The organ grinder? I'm looking for it now. Jim Matt is at one, who's got his own zoo there for two hours. Hank Goldberg will be at the... Oh, and by the way, H Hank yesterday was foaming at the mouth. Something about Mo. I don't want to go into details, but the humper was not real happy with Mo yesterday. That that's the rumor around the building I'm hearing, getting all the way back up here. In fact, I went out for a walk uh, last night, and some guy yelled at me, "Hey Neil, the humper is pissed off with Mo." Hank Goldberg, three to six thirty, and of course because it's Friday, that means the day bonds that the coaches show between five and six. Six thirty, it's uh, and we're getting right down to the end. Isn't this the last weekend, Carlos, for uh, Marlins? I hope so. <laughs> Marlins on deck. At 6.30, 7.05, the Marlins and the Braves. And let's see, the Panthers and the Lightning at the AM 790 starting at 7.15. Oh, oh, on AM 790 for hockey. So we have to wait till the damn uh, Marlin crap is over. Ed Kaplan, after all that stuff, and then ESPN Radio overnight because it's Friday night. And Joe and Mark don't work on Friday night because Mo Wayne on Saturday morning. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac GMC are doing it again. Zero percent financing continues right now at Hallett. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get yourself... 0% financing up to 36 months on all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models or take you a rebate 
up to four grand in all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. And when you go to Hal, probably one of the most important things you'll do, besides making you a great deal, is talk to Tom Lehman. Ask Tom if it's really true that a muskrat died in Bob Eisenberg's head. I guarantee you he'll tell you the truth. He'll say the answer is absolutely yes. beyond a shadow of a doubt. While you're at Hallett, take a look at the complete line of great GMC SUVs, those big, beautiful gas guzzlers, including the Envoy voted by Motor Trend as SUV there. Can you hear that the siren in the back? No. Can't hear it. Boy, loud, man. Plus, see the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that's got the power of a big, fancy-schmancy sports car. Hallett's also got a great selection of dependable pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs like they always do waiting for you. And as far as credit is concerned, this is very important for a lot of you marginal people out there. If you've had difficulty getting credit for a car, a truck, or whatever in the past, have no fear because Hallett is here. They'll get you signed up. So for a great deal on Pontiacs and GMC, see Hallett Pontiac at 13401 South Dixie, Hawaii on US 1 across from the falls where they'll treat you right. Open seven days a week. You can call them at 305-238-4040. That's 305-238-4040 for Hallett Pontiac GMC. We are professional grade, believe it or not. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Hood can't keep his pecker in his pants. In this place, I see a lot of gas. I also see a lot of folks taking medicines that don't fight gas. Wow, this NyQuil knocks me out. Oh, I still got gas! Gastex has the most powerful medicine to relieve gas fast. Oh, not as fast as I thought! Oh no, not here! Eleven eighteen at five sixty WQAM. Happy uh, Friday to you. And what did I leave out there? Now, oh, that's right. They're playing the Phillies and not the Braves. And there's no hockey game apparently. There is a hockey game. It's just not going to be broadcast. That, yeah. I see. Well, so so why do we have a, we got a program director, we got an operations manager, a general manager, we got a uh, floor show, a, a dog and pony show. And we still can't get the schedule right. I mean, remember the old days when the schedule used to be right every day or just about? Nope. Not anymore, boy. we got too many fingers in that pot, you know, too many fingers in the pot. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not getting the seeds out. There's something really shaky going on there at QAM. It's a damn good thing I'm coming back soon because i got to take a look and see what's going on there. We got uh, nobody cares, okay? Nobody's going to be. It's a Friday night. Anybody that's going to be listening to Marlins and the Phillies, uh, we'll, we'll put you out of your misery, okay? Now, look at this quote from Jack M. Berlin, uh, Bob, uh, I'm sorry, Jack M. Balkin, Knight Professor of Constitutional Law and First Amendment at Yale Law School, September 22th, just a few days ago. He said, today the world faces a single man armed with weapons of mass destruction, manifesting an aggressive bullying attitude who may well plunge the world into chaos and bloodshed if he miscalculates. This person, belligerent, arrogant, and sure of himself truly is the most dangerous person on earth, the problem is that his name is George W. Bush, and he is our president. So said Jack M. Balkin, Knight Professor of Constitutional Law and First Amendment at W.'s alma mater, Yale Law School. How do you like that? I like it. As the return address. Well, we did, I didn't say what his return address was. Probably somewhere in Connecticut. Let's hear it for Ted, baby. Have a couple of lunches. It's almost lunchtime. At Ted. the present time, we do face a pre pressing risk of proliferation from Russia's stockpile of weapons of mass destruction. America spends only $1 billion a year to safeguard those weapons. Yet the administration is preparing to spend between $100 and $200 billion on a war with Iraq. I do not accept the idea that trying other alternatives is either futile or perilous. 
that the risks of waiting are greater than the risks of war. Indeed, in launching a war against Iraq now, the United States may precipitate the very threat that we are intent on preventing, weapons of mass destruction in the hands of terrorists. If Saddam's regime and his very survival are threatened, then his view of his interests may be profoundly altered. He may decide he has nothing to lose by using weapons of mass destruction himself or by sharing them with terrorists. Some who advocate military action against Iraq, however, assert that airstrikes will do the job quickly and decisively, and that the operation will be complete in 72 hours. But there is, again, no persuasive evidence that airstrikes alone over the course of several days will incapacitate Saddam and destroy his weapons of mass destruction. Experts have informed us that we do not have sufficient intelligence against military targets in Iraq. Saddam may well hide his most lethal weapons in mosques, schools, and hospitals if our forces attempt to strike such targets. Untold numbers of Iraqi civilians could be killed. In the Gulf War, many of Saddam's soldiers quickly retreated because they did not believe the invasion of Kuwait was justified. But when Iraq's survival is at stake, it is more likely that they will fight to the end. Saddam and his military may well abandon the desert, retreat to Baghdad, and engage in urban guerrilla warfare. And in our September 23rd hearing, General Clark told the committee that we would need a large military force and plan for urban warfare. General Hoare said that our military would have to be prepared to fight block by block in Baghdad and that we could lose a battalion of soldiers a day in casualties. Urban fighting would, he said, look like the last brutal 15 minutes of the movie Saving Private Ryan. Before the Gulf War in 1991, Secretary of State James Baker met with the Iraqis and threatened Hussein with catastrophe, with a catastrophe if he employed weapons of mass destruction. In that war, although Saddam launched 39 Scud missiles at Israel, he did not use the chemical or biological weapons that he had at hand. If Saddam's regime and survival are threatened, he will have nothing to lose and may use everything at his disposal. Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon has announced that instead of his forbearance in the 1991 Gulf War, this time Israel will respond if attacked. If weapons of mass destruction land on Israel's, Israeli soil, killing innocent civilians, the experts that I have consulted believe that Israel will retaliate, and possibly with nuclear weapons. This escalation, spiraling out of control, could draw the Arab world into a regional war in which our Arab allies side with Iraq against the United States and against Israel. And that would represent a fundamental threat to Israel, to the region, to the world economy, and to international order. Nor can we rule out the possibility that Saddam would assault American forces with chemical and biological weapons. Despite the advances in protecting our troops, we do not yet have the capability to safeguard all of them. Our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines are serving their country with great distinction. Just under 70,000 reservists and National Guards have been mobilized for the war against terrorism. 
If we embark upon a premature or unilateral military campaign against Iraq or a campaign only with Britain, our forces will have to serve in even greater numbers for longer periods and with graver risks. Our force strength will be stretched even thinner, and war is the last resort. If, in the end, we have to take that course, the burden should be shared with allies, and that is less likely if war becomes an immediate response. Let him have it, Ted. Boy, you're sweating up a storm. That's what happens when you give me 600 pounds. Right. You know and excited. And worked up into a frenzy. Well, he gets excited a lot. Anyway, he's uh, doing a hell of a job. Nice going there, Ted. Let it, let it just stick it to him. Can we lighten it up just a second? Because I'm getting so uh, whipped up into a frenzy listening to him speak. Idol Kelly tops pop singles chart. See, from the uh, sublime to the ridiculous. Or is it mm -hmm. the other way around? I'm not really sure in this case. American Idol champion Kelly Clarkson didn't have to wait a lifetime for the moment when her television fame was transformed into record-setting gold on the pop charts. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I'm depressed about it, too. Oh. I think I'd rather go back to Ted. On Iraq Please. was powerful, and for me it was persuasive. The bubbly 20-year-old who wowed a national TV audience on Fox's network summer reality series shot to number one on the latest Hot 100 singles chart from Nielsen's SoundScan with a moment like this, the song she performed on the final episode of the show. And all I can say is, you're right, it's depressing. The single paired with a song Before Your Love on the double-A uh, side record rose from number 52 spot after going on sale in stores last week, marking the biggest leap to number one in the history of the Hot 100, her label RCA record said Wednesday. Clarkson's debut, selling 236,000 copies in its first week in stores, grabbed the top spot away from the song Dilemma uh, from hip-hop star Nelly. That song, which also featured vocals from Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child, spent seven weeks at number one. So like I said, I'm less depressed now, okay? If that's what it replaced, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah. Because anybody that has to do with Destiny's Child makes me want to make a trip to the bowl immediately, if not sooner, on my hands and knees. 1126 at 560 WQAM. Hey, speaking of your knees and your feet. See how we tie this in all together? The hip bone connected to your uh, whatever, your joint? That's what Jeff Cohen says. It's connected to your joint, like his lips. That's right. New Balance of South Florida covers all your athletic and footwear needs. Maybe he's got some uh, leftover for us. Uh, what's his name? Todd Dreck. If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training, cross-dressing, running, walking around, schlepping, uh, whatever you're going to be doing, this is the place, New Balance. I love them, and you will, too. Because they don't carry a bunch of crap. They carry only the best that money can buy. And they save you a lot of money as well. And, of course, they still come up with that revolutionary deal, and they're never going to let go of that. They'll never let go of your foot, foot, feet. They want to measure them and see how long they are and how wide they are. and Make sure you get a perfect fit so you keep coming back. And, of course, New Balance has got athletic shoes that give you the best possible fit all the way from infant size up to size 20. So even if you have ordinarily very, very tough to fit feet, uh, have no fear because New Balance is here. And New Balance has got styles, sizes, and widths of shoes you could only find before in catalogs or by mail order. they got them sitting on the shelf waiting for you right now. So this weekend, make a run over to New Balance of South Florida with three locations. You'll find them in the most prestigious Aventura Mall, Pinecrest, Boca Town Center, and coming to a fourth location in November, the new location in Palm Beach Gardens. If your feet could thank you, they'd kiss you right on the puss for schlepping over to New Balance. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UA, UA. Friday, you bastard. Welcome back to the glittering pageantry of the Mohammed and David Show. We have a full docket today. <laughs> including the cavalcade of articulate athlete interviews. You know that pipe smoke is still at it. What? 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 Singing those songs. Making fun of me. 
They make fun of me all the time. I don't know why they don't adore me. There, there. Everything will be all right, Mo. Get your hands off me, you fairy. You queer, you tube jumper. Real men don't touch, only during the game. Yes, master. They want singing? I'll give them singing. Get on a piano. Over there. Okay, Mo. Now, hit it. Back in my day, men were straight. Being gay is hip today. That's why I can't tolerate his guzzling gays. Sport holes weren't gay back then. Stop it, you moron! What's the matter, Mo? My wig fell off again. Okay. All right, where were we? Portholes were in game. Uh, I'll take it from here. The guys that like to worship men. Good thing we won't see pulling or wailing and Adam again. Didn't mean to soothe prostates. Or to tickle hairy taint. Jesus Christ, I really hate Jizz Gosling Disrespectful, George, although Muckle and Deerfield thanks me inspired me to play that because it says those Mo and Geldy bits are friggin' hilarious. Who makes those for you? Whoever it is, tell them to keep on coming. Well, they will keep on coming. Squirt, squirt. And it's Boca Brian. It's propitious that he might have uh, asked a question today because Tuesday, allegedly, the uh, new Boca Brian disc will be out. The best of. What's it going to be called? Right. Restitution and Mo Bits. Restitution and Mo Bits. So Restitution one. song will be on there, Volume 1, which means the first of many, no question about that. So uh, it'll be on our website. You'll be able to click on there and buy it and play it and diddle with it, etc. Airport security gets another F. Oi! In January and February, CBS News went undercover to test security at major American airports. We took leaden film bags, which block x-rays, to checkpoints. Steve Elson, who used to test checkpoint security for the FAA, helped us with our tests. When the bag goes through the x-ray, there's a big black blob, says Elson. They're impossible to miss, and yet they just continually go through. Screeners could not see clearly what was in our carry-ons and should have searched them because a weapon could have been hidden in or under the film bags. But 70% of screeners failed to check or even detect the film bags. At the time, the TSA blamed a broken system. Congress ordered the federal government to take over all airport checkpoints by November 19. But with two months to go, the seven, uh, of the seven airports we revisited, Baltimore was the only one where federal employees screen all passengers. At the rest, private companies under federal supervision still handle some, if not all, of the screening. They're not government employees, and they haven't received the same training. The new head of the TSA, James Loy, says security has improved. It's changed dramatically for the better, says Loy. I'm very impressed with the diligence of the screeners who are in place today. To determine if screening really has improved, CBS News went back to the same airports using the same kind of X-ray blocking film bags, and we got the same results. Once again, 70% of the time, those film bags went undetected or unopened. In Los Angeles, screeners actually did worse. Last time, they found and checked our film bags 50% of the time. Last week, they missed all of them. We'd also been detected 50% of the time at New York's LaGuardia on this latest round, which Elson also helped us with. Screeners failed every test. Well, there's something to be said for consistency anyway, right? Right. Every test, 100%. LaGuardia was a typical day, says Elson. You go through and you think there's no way to miss this, and yet we just generally sailed right through the checkpoint. 
In two incidents, screeners did find one film bag, but missed a second one that CBS News producer was also carrying. They had the idea, but they didn't carry it through to completion, says Olson, therefore they failed. Screeners at Atlanta and Washington's Reagan National didn't check any of our film bags six months ago, and again, they missed them all this time. And like I said, something to be said for being consistent. None of the screeners at New York's Kennedy Airport stopped us last time, and that happened again in four out of five tests. There were some success stories, and here's the good news. Screeners in Fort Lauderdale stopped us and checked the film back six months ago and did everything right again last week. Oh! Let's hear it for Fort Lauderdale, huh? All right. Let's hear it. It's about time we got something good. Somebody will pat us on the shoulder and say, you're not completely incompetent. Generally, you are, but we'll just this one time make an exception. In Baltimore, all screeners are federal employees. Earlier this year, the film bags went undetected every time. Uh, last week, our film bags were searched every time. This is the first time they've ever, on any of the things we've done, ever opened the bag and done it successfully, says Elson, and they did very well today, meeting in Baltimore. I hope that's the wave of the future, he said. Isn't that what, what's his name used to say? You're riding the wave of the future on those awful uh, spots? Who? On those uh, something.com spots, don't you remember? Hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. President, you're riding the wave of the future? Oh, um, wasn't that Ameritrade? Ameritrade, very good. Anyway, but a year after 9-11, Elson is still worried. They're missing all kinds of things, he says. That's the frightening part. Things like guns. Be afraid. Be very afraid. A, check, a checkpoint supervisor at Atlanta's airport was fired last week after a woman boarded a plane with a loaded weapon extra ammunition. She was caught at another airport by the new layer of pre-boarding screening and gate areas, a security requirement the government may eliminate for passenger convenience. So there you go. Fly at your own risk. Good luck to all of us. That's all I can tell you. The Dog and Pony Show continues. 22 till noon at 560 QM. The Mad Dog at 1. Live and local. This is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Neil God. Pushes a side, he thought, f*** up. Pushes a side, he thought, f*** up. Pushes a side, he thought, f*** up. Forty-three at five sixty WQAM from the UK Independent. Russia fears U.S. oil companies will take over the world's second biggest reserves. There's that word again: O I L M O N E Y V O T E S. Oil companies from around the world are maneuvering for the multi-billion-dollar bonanza that would follow the ousting of Saddam Hussein. 
Russia is so concerned that it's been holding secretive talks with the Iraqi opposition to shore up its economic interest in the country, which still owes Moscow $7 billion from Soviet times. With the second biggest reserves in the world, Iraq's underdeveloped oil fields have become a key negotiating chip and a backdrop to talks between the U.S. and the other permanent members of the U.N. Security Council, all of which have major economic stakes in regime change in Iraq. It's also given fuel to critics of America's war plans who say the desire for regime change is at least partly driven by economics. Oil industry experts say there's growing concern that America would dominate the Iraqi oil industry after Sodom. As a result, a number of oil companies have reportedly held talks with the Iraqi opposition to ensure they're involved in any future deals. The Independent has learned that the Russian government, which is friendly toward Iraq, recently dispatched a diplomat to hold talks with a senior official from the Iraqi National Congress, the U.S.-backed opposition umbrella group. At that meeting in Washington, August 29, the first for seven years, the diplomat expressed worries that Russia would be kept out of the oil markets by the U.S., James Woolsey, the former director of the CIA and commentator on the relationship between oil and global security, told the Washington Post, it's pretty straightforward. France and Russia have oil companies and interest in Iraq. They should be told that if they are of assistance in moving Iraq to a decent government, we'll do the best we can to ensure the new government and American companies work closely with them. If they throw their lot in with Sodom, it'll be difficult to the point of impossible to persuade the new Iraqi government to work with them. Iraq has confirmed oil reserves of 112 billion barrels, second only to Saudi Arabia with perhaps double that in undiscovered reserves. They're concerned about OIL and M-O-N-E-Y, baby, like I keep telling you. Second man is charged in alleged mosque threat, Tampa. Federal authorities have charged a man they say owned five of the firearms recovered at the home of a podiatrist accused of plotting to blow up Islamic mosques and centers around the state of Florida. Samuel Valiant Shanahan III of Dunedin was arrested at his home Wednesday night by agents with the U.S. Bureau of uh, the ATF and charged with illegally transferring firearms, according to the criminal complaint filed yesterday in Tampa. Shanahan was denied bail after a Thursday afternoon detention hearing before U.S. Magistrate Thomas McCoon III. McCoon said he needed to investigate the case further before deciding whether to allow Shanahan to be released on bail to live with his father in Citrus County. Shanahan, 42, was first questioned by investigators August 23rd, the day that Robert Goldstein was arrested. Remember him? Of course. How could we forget Police say Goldstein, I'll tell you can forget, was that uh, some bubblehead in the afternoon on CNN, they were talking last week one day or the week before about uh, the terrorism. It was some uh, some uh, schmatahead on there complaining about the anti-Islamic bigotry in the U.S., and he brought up that incident about uh, uh, Goldstein being around. Oh, I don't remember that story, but I'll have to check into it. This is one of the uh, so-called, <laughs> yeah, and I sat there with my jaw down to my goddamn testicles, okay, thinking what kind of a, certainly not news, CNN, my effing ass, okay? A bunch of bubbleheads. And they're manipulating pubic opinion all over the goddamn world with their lightweight simpleton uh, bubbleheads like uh, this bitch. Then we had to figure out how, how... Not him. Anyway, Shanahan, 42, was first questioned by investigators August 23rd, the day Robert Goldstein was arrested. Police say Goldstein, a podiatrist in Seminole, had drawn up plans to destroy an Islamic education center and dozens of mosques. Detailed written plans referred to a Val Shanahan, a federal licensed firearms dealer, told investigators he didn't know why he was named in Goldstein's document. He said he had no knowledge of why his name was mentioned. ATF Special Agent Warren Randall said during Shanahan's detention hearing, he described Mr. Goldstein as a person who dabbled with electronics. He later said he knew Goldstein to dabble with explosives. Goldstein's written plan that listed Val as an accomplice was scratched out with Mike handwritten over it throughout. <coughs> Got it? Got it. U.S. Attorney's Office spokesman Steve Cole won't comment on whether other people have been questioned. We're still, still trying to determine if anybody else was involved, he said, in the plot. 
Oh, here we go with more priest stuff. Jeez, is this ever going to win? No. God. Every day in my pile, I got priest in, and Carlos blurts out today, come to find out he was an altar boy. Yeah. So it was lucky he was ugly. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah, see? You were in luck. The lucky altar boys are the ugly ones. Well, that's what George is saying. Okay, now you know, see, now he, yeah, you hurt his feelings again. No, that's quite all right. Yeah. He's been called worse. A prosecutor took the unusual step yesterday of releasing the names of Roman Catholic priests whom church officials say were accused of sexually abusing children but have not yet been charged by authorities. Bristol County District Attorney Paul Walsh gave out the list of 20 names as he announced the indictment of a priest for allegedly molesting a girl from 1965 to 71. Civil rights advocates criticized Walsh for encouraging a witch hunt. Walsh acknowledged his decision goes against standard prosecutorial policy and appeared to be the first move of its kind by a prosecutor. In the normal course of events, we would not identify a suspect in a criminal case who hasn't been formally charged, but in this case, I don't think that policy should be applied, Walsh said. It perpetuates secrecy, it invalidates victims, and it pretends that none of this ever happened. I'm just not going to do that, said Walsh, who encouraged people to come forward with information or allegations against the men he named. Walsh obtained the names of the priests from the Fall River Diocese, after that's in Massachusetts. After the clergy sexual abuse scandal erupted in Massachusetts earlier this year, dioceses began turning over names of accused priests to civil authorities after Cardinal Law mandated such reporting in the Boston Archdiocese. The Fall River Diocese turned over a total of 21 names, including the priest charged yesterday, and two priests who are now deceased. The remaining 18 priests have never been prosecuted either because of the statute of limitations that expired or because the alleged victim was not interested in pressing criminal charges, Walsh said. None of the named priests has active ministries. Most have retired. Several were removed from their ministries after allegations of sex abuse were received by the diocese in the 1990s. Several names on the list have been made public before by church officials or as part of civil lawsuits. The Boston Archdiocese policy of publicly naming and suspending priests before a full investigation has been criticized, and civil rights advocates had sharp words for Walsh's move. Releasing the names just to see if people will come forward, to me that's just a form of a witch hunt, said Michael Higgins, executive director of Justice for Priests and Deacons, <laughs> a San Diego organization founded by canon lawyers in 1997. Higgins was removed from the priesthood in 99 after he was accused of soliciting sex in a confessional. He denies the allegation and has appealed his case all the way to the Vatican, to the Holy Father. Philip Cormier, a Boston attorney who specializes in civil liberties litigation, said the public release of the priest's names by a district attorney could invite false accusations. Essentially, these people are targets. People see signs, dollar signs. They see these civil settlements that people are getting. It's very easy for people to make something up. Like Carlos. Gee, how come you see you should have made something up? Yeah, right. I could have, I could have been saying that something happened 20 years ago and I need to get paid. Well, how was it? I can't remember. Two priests, told, two priests told a face questions. Rectum. Oh, this is uh, from the Sun Sentinel, so there might, it might be some truth to it. Two priests can't avoid questioning by the defense attorneys representing an apprentice monk accused of murdering an unknown religious school. Miami judge ruled yesterday. This is that ongoing story. Boy, I sure still do miss the monks in, you know. In a highly unusual move, the priest invoked their Fifth Amendment rights this month when called upon as witnesses by the defense attorneys in the case of Michael, um, uh, Mikhailo uh, Kofel, a Ukrainian national. The 20-year-old Kofel was charged last year with the murder of Sister Michelle Lewis, a teacher at Holy Cross Academy in Kendall. The nun's body was found naked, stabbed, and beaten in her home at the academy. Dade County Police say Kofel, who was pleaded not guilty, confessed to her March 25, 2000, stabbing of Lewis, 39, telling them she had been verbally abusive to him. Kofel, who was being held without bail, also told police that the academy's two highest officials, 
the Reverend Abby Gregory Wendt and his assistant, the Reverend Damien Jabot, sexually abused him. School officials deny the accusation. But the priest's defense attorneys wanted the state to be the first to ask their clients questions because they would then be granted immunity for their testimony. Mel Black, who represents Wendt, also questioned what knowledge the priest would have about the murder. We need to talk about what their supposed knowledge would be, he said. Kofel stabbed the victim 90 times on his own, pummeled her on his own, then broke into the business office on his own. By his own admission, nobody else was involved in this crime. There's no purpose in taking these depositions. Dade Circuit Judge Manuel Crespo didn't buy his argument, ruling that the clergyman will have to attend another deposition to answer some questions because it's the defense's right to do so. You can't hide behind this veneer, he said. Kofel's defense attorneys hailed the judge's decision. They were under every obligation to respect and respond to the court's ruling, said Ray Tassat, Kofel's court-appointed public defender. The scope of these witnesses' knowledge with regard to this case is great. Black said that all his clients have nothing to hide. He'll advise them not to answer questions regarding the sexual allegations. Nobody believes these allegations, he said. This is a red herring. You ever eat there? No. At the red herring? Never. I guarantee you they give you bigger portions than the red lobster. <laughs> Automatically. Oh, the Red Lobster, yeah. man, is another one of my least favorites. And I, I don't even remember if the food was any good or not. No, it wasn't. No? Because the portions are so small. You know, sometimes you have to eat like more than a fifteenth of an ounce to get a little taste in your mouth and right. get the drift of what you're eating. But the portions are so teeny and tiny and so overpriced that I don't recall whether the food was good. So you're telling me not only are the portions small, but the food sucks. The food sucks. Two more good reasons not to go to the Red Lobster. And who the hell was ripping, uh, when they were talking about that Miss America thing, the Jersey account, uh, thing with the Italian uh, background? Yeah, what about it? And some asshole they had on one of the talking head shows, he was going on about, well, all these ugly stereotypes, and he brought up uh, Romano's Macaroni Grill. What what the hell is uh, ugly about Ma Romano's Macaroni the, Grill? The commercials, the guys that do the commercial, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing, but they they offend some uh, thin skinned. How about the goddamn little uh, the uh, Elta the Taco Bell dog? Oh yeah, well, uh, huh? The beaners are all up in arms about that. Well, see, everybody's uptight. First of all, let me just tell you this: almost every black character on television, even though it's 2002, almost every black person is presented as a stereotype. Make no mistake about it. Okay? Right. Is that is that correct? That's correct, and the spicks. The way they walk, the way they speak, the way they act, and the same with the beaners. I mean, it's just uh, the mm -hmm. same old crap, man. Everything is a stereotype. And yet every now and then, you know, it's just like when The Godfather first came out, and there was Joe Daggiola on the uh, Today Show in the morning on NBC, and he's getting all bent out of shape, and they bring on somebody from the Catholic League, and right away he's got, oh, gee, this is terrible, and it's uh, defamation. Bull crap, okay? If the fool fits, fight it. That's what I say. Bunch of bull crap. We love Ray uh, Romano, whatever the hell it is, Romano's Macaroni Grill. Right, and the and commercials the are funny. We love the food they bring in. The commercials are a hoot. They're great. These people with no sense of humor, man, America's becoming constipated, okay? We, we, we fought a war to get away from the Brits, and now we're becoming more constipated than they are. Uptight and out of sight, like Stevie Wonder would say. Partying with ecstasy several times a night. A common practice among users of the illegal drug may damage key neurons in the brain and perhaps hasten the onset of Parkinson's disease, according to a study in monkeys. Oh, maybe that oh, no. explains. Maybe that explains our behavior on this show. Maybe it's all that ecstasy I brought back from Holland. Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. Did Todd get his? But some researchers were skeptical of the results from the animal studies translate to humans and said such studies discourage research that might lead to medical uses for ecstasy. A Johns Hopkins University researcher injected squirrel monkeys and baboons 
with three shots of ecstasy, also known as MDMA, three hours apart, mimicking dosages often used by MDMA users at all-night dance parties. He said the drug caused enduring damage to dopamine-producing neurons in the brains of the animals. The old ropa-dopa mean. The damage was still evident two weeks to uh, six weeks later, said Dr. George A. Ricourt, the lead author of the study appearing this week in the journal Science. But he said it's not clear if the damaged neurons will repair themselves, a key factor in whether ecstasy could cause Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's is a brain disorder triggered by the permanent loss of dopamine-producing nerve cells. So take it at your own risk, okay? Plus, it's illegal beside. But George has got plenty for you this weekend. No, I don't. You don't? I wish. Well, maybe somebody will drop you some by. Hey, uh... See if Todd knows anybody in Davie. Four minutes till noon at 5.60. Anybody named Steve in Davie? Hot huh, Todd? Lazy-ass piece of turd. I've stepped on better things in my life than you, Todd. Things that smelled better, too, and that were a hell of a lot more useful and that did a lot more work. Weasel, quizzling, useless. Go talk to the Culligan man, okay? Maybe he'd like to step on your little ass, too. I'll tell you a place where you'd like to... Have a great time, and that's dollar mattress. You don't even go there. You don't see them. You don't see anybody. You just talk to a knowledgeable expert about betting on the phone. That's it. That, that's the extent of your spread. And, then, of course, the delivery people that show up, they do a great job. They just came in off the banana boat. But they'll do a stupendous job for you. Just call 1-800-MATTRESS. And like I said, this saves you so much time and grief and running around and gas and money. And within no time at all, you'll be hooked up with a fantastic mattress, the kind you like to sleep on, the brand name, whichever is what your favorite. And they carry only the best. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, no off-brands that nobody ever heard of, no crap. Only spectacular brand name mattresses at unbeatable everyday low prices. And as far as delivery is concerned, like I always tell you, nobody else in the universe, I don't believe, gives you a service like this. They deliver any day of the week, seven days, any two-hour window when you're going to be home, and it's convenient for you. You pick it. Noon to 2, 1 to 3, 2 to 4, 4.15 to 6.15, etc. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee to test it out the real way by sleeping on it and doing all sorts of X-rated things on it. So if you want to get yourself a great mattress, if the old one isn't doing your back what it used to do, call 1-800-MATTRESS right now, like I always do, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that wicked worldwide web at mattress.com. We're Sports Radio 5. You can't compete. Well, I may be slow on the street, but I show be fast on my feet. Bravo 2 at 560. Don't forget, Tuesday, the uh, Big Broke O'Brien thing comes out. Restitution and Mo Bits, Volume 1. It'll be right on our website, on neilrogers.com. And I, I guess uh, maybe you ought to make a bunch of extra ones to uh, lay out at the uh, new pizza loft. Don't you think that's a good idea? That is a great idea. You guys can go over there, get a free meal, and he can, like, uh, drop some off, and they can pick them up right there. It'll be an extra incentive for people to go in there. Because, you know, in the beginning, you want to make sure everybody knows where it, where it is. And the uh, restaurant, too. Right behind Walgreens there, Nob Hill and uh, Sunrise and Plantation. Can't, not easy to see. You can't see it from the street. It's hidden. It's hidden by a bunch of ugly trees and bush and stuff and by Walgreens, but that's okay. It's right. In fact, Marcy will show you where to go. Oh, I got to do like one more priest thing here, okay, because it's in the Palm Beach Post. Massachusetts authorities say the Catholic Diocese, headed by Bishop Sean P. O'Malley, who's scheduled to take over the Diocese of Palm Beach next month, sat on information about abusive priests for years, making prosecution of most of them almost impossible. 
Bristol County DA Paul Walsh Jr. announced Wednesday that one priest had been indicted and took the extraordinary uh, step, like I said before, releasing the names of 20 others they've investigated but haven't charged. It was never our intention to withhold information, diocesan spokesman John Kern said Thursday. Since day one, the bishop has been committed to the attitude that we cooperate with law enforcement of any kind of investigation. The bishop would not comment further, Kern said. The good father. How do you like that, huh? I'll tell you, Palm Beach County, they just can't seem to wriggle out of it. It's like they got a dark cloud over their head. Speaking of dark clouds over their head, Norma Kant is on now. Oh, that's right. Don't let me forget. What's the date today? 27th? Right. Monday, so, right? No, Monday's the 30th. Oh, it's Tuesday. October 1st. That's right. Tuesday. Tuesday, October 1. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a big day coming up oh! on Tuesday. Let me say it again. Finally, we're going to get some promotion on the show. We're going to have a lead-in, and it's long overdue. Not some sour old man with bad, bloody varicose veins that are painted white and green who won't promote this show. We're talking about a guy that's going to, like, enthusiastically promote this show, even though he shows on another station which nobody listens to. Norma Kant, 8 moves uh, to 8 to 9 a.m., starting next Tuesday, October 1. On WFT, on the light bulb junior, whatever the hell they call that thing. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. I'm all geared and up. And he'll be promoting this show every day. Turn over to Neil right now, 560 WQAM. It's uh, the only guy, it's the only promotion we get. Do we have billboards? No. TV ads? No. Uh, guy with sandwich boards running around? No. Uh, banner planes? No. Nothing. Zippity doo dah. That's what you get from Greg Reed. Zippity doo dah. How's that bluebird doing? He's still crapping <laughs> on your shoulder? Remus? No, thank you. That's what we get. Zippity doo dah from Greg Reed. Nothing. They put a lot of stuff in your contract. They sit down to have a meeting with you. They lie right to your face with a big smile on their puss. And then they give you a <coughs> squat. And then, uh, to compound, uh, to add insult to injury, we get a morning guy here with no sense of humor. Well, a real sour, sour, uh, piece of turd. And he won't, uh, mention that the show's coming up. He don't have to, he can rip all he wants. He can rip me an ass, talk about the organ grinder, anything he wants. But here's a guy that, on, and not only that, he doesn't promote the Mad Dog. He doesn't promote Hank. He doesn't promote any, nothing else. Talk about an island. See, we thought we were an island on this station because of the fact that it's the only non-sports show on a radio station. Plus, Joe and Mark are supposed to be doing sports, but they're doing titty bars and strippers. But anyway, but uh, we're, like, uh, connected compared to that show. He's right. made himself, like, into a Madagascar. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know right where it is, too. Yeah, so do I. An island. Or like uh, Elba. That's an even better one. In sure. fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, medicated off to Elba and he'll be standing there with his hand in his uh, vest pocket like Napoleon. Or eat, maybe eating Napoleons, more likely, with the Nova and the bagels. Mm, Today Nova. on the Norma, can't, I can't stand Nova and I can't eat bagels Love because it. they give me headaches. That yeast, oh, that yeast. Last thing I need is yeast. Today on the Norma Kent Show, his guest was Johnny Dark, says the sanctuary was riveting. Can you believe that? Oh. Oh, Norma, one hour a day. I like whatever I just said. I think I'm taking it back. Johnny Dark. No, that's not the one I wanted. I wanted Johnny Dark's an asshole. Well, maybe he fed Johnny. You think? I doubt it. Maybe Johnny brought think... food in. Maybe. Oh, yeah, Johnny brought food in. Boy, are you a, a comedian? <laughs> Johnny Dark did not bring Norma Kent no food. Also, it says Ed Reverend James Kennedy the pull. Well, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll take it under consideration. No, no chance. I mean, we understand what you're saying, and he makes me nauseous, too. But it's just not in the same genre. How's that poll coming, by the way? Well, if we you still could got people your... with no votes. If you could program your TV. You really are on the doggy uppers today. That's a lot of coffee you. this morning. You're just whipped up into a frenzy. I can't even finish the question. You must be talking to Rimmer. Maybe you're planning on it at lunch. And, and you know what I didn't, next week. didn't do this morning? Oh. 
Yeah, yeah you sound like you're full of it. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you where the hell's the question? If you could program your TV set to block out one person, in other words, so you'd never see them again on TV, who would it be? We have 286 votes. Now, this is our second poll of the day. Earlier, we asked about those Mo bits, and they overwhelmingly seem to put a big smile on most people's puss, except for a few sour pie. There's always got to be a sour Remember that pizza joint, sour pie? No. Emerald Legassi, Richard Quest, and Shepard Smith have no votes. Oh! None of them, which I find scandalous. Even Billy Mays, the orange glow infomercial guy, has only got three. And little Brian Norcross has three, as does Barbara Walters. I think that Brian Norcross, the lack of uh, venom, ventum, uh, sent in his direction, I think that, especially in light of what's gone on in the last week or so. Because yeah. I've had so many spy reports. Even people I don't know are calling me up here saying, that Brian Norcross is a lunatic. Maybe people are doing a good job avoiding him, like I know I am. Oh. Jim Rome. Old Romy's got four. Romy. Condoleezza's got five. And Coulter's got eight. Which ought to please Lynn Samuels. Larry King be having nine. Bill O'Reilly, ten. Martha Stewart, thirteen. Dr. Phil, fifteen. Oprah, twenty-two. Al Sharpton, twenty-three. Steve, the Dell computer dude guy with those awful spots, twenty-three. Carrot Top, thirty-three. Jesse Jackson, forty-three. And in first place, by a long shot, oh! it's old W with seventy-one votes. I think you voted more than once. <laughs> if I could have. I Nicholas Kristoff writes in the New York Times today. Fighting street to street. Basra, Iraq is the dateline on this story. That's where he is. To understand why an invasion of Iraq may not be the cakewalk that the White House expects, pay $20 round trip and board an Iraqi Airways flight that soars from Baghdad straight through the American-enforced no-flight zone to Basra on the southern tip of Iraq. American warplanes are authorized to shoot down any aircraft that venture into it, but the Iraqis around me were cool as ice. They knew that U.S. fighters would never attack a civilian aircraft and that the U.S. military could only bluster. Sometimes the American AWACS planes warn us on the radio, explained an Iraqi pilot who was amused at my anxiety. They say, you're entering a no-fly zone and must turn around. We reply, this is Iraqi airspace and we're going to fly through it. That American restraint is Iraq's ace going into the war. Iraq knows that the U.S. cannot bomb schools, mosques, and residential neighborhoods, and so it has plenty of places to hide its army. In the last Gulf War, we were able to destroy an enemy that was out in the open desert, but this time Iraq seems intent on a different approach. From Basra, I drove to the Kuwait border on the highway of death, to see how Iraq will guard what may be a principal invasion route for American troops. The only military presence was a few guards on the edge of Basra, amounting to what you'd expect at the entrance to an urban U.S. high school. So does this mean that Iraq is poorly prepared for an invasion? I don't think so. Instead of protecting its borders, Iraq will hide its army within its cities, where airstrikes are effective only at an unacceptable for America cost in civilian deaths. Saddam is a hiding place for himself that's better than Osama bin Laden's caves at Tora Bora, the teeming city of Baghdad with five million inhabitants where he already never spends two consecutive nights in the same place. The Americans are good at bombing, one Iraqi official mused, but someday they'll have to come to the ground and then we'll be waiting. Every Iraqi has a gun in his house, often a Kalashnikov, and every Iraqi has experience in fighting. So let's see how the Americans do when they're fighting in our streets. That could be a nightmare, as the last Gulf War showed, a bombing campaign can knock out bridges and barracks, but unless we're incredibly lucky, we won't kill Sodom, trigger a coup, or wipe out his Republican Guard forces. We'll have to hunt out Sodom on the ground, which may be just as hard as finding Osama in Afghanistan, and much bloodier. Our last experience with street-to-street fighting was confronting untrained thugs in Mogadishu in Somalia. This time we're taking on an army with possible bio and chemical weapons, 400,000 regular army troops, and supposedly 7 million more in Al-Quds militia. Karar Hassan, a 22-year-old member of the militia in the city of Najaf, said he just completed a training session in street fighting, including fighting house-to-house -house and even from trees. 
I'll fight them till my last drop of blood, he added, in the kind of boast that's heard from everywhere in Iraq. If someone tries to threaten us, we know how to respond, said a farmer named Hakim El-Khal in the bazaar of Karbala, and then he reached under his shirt and brandished a handgun. Most Iraqis seem to have no love for Sodom, and the great majority would probably spend the war hiding out of their beds, but even if a tiny proportion of the braggarts are serious, then look out. Moreover, some tribes are armed with mortars and large-caliber machine guns, so even if they could not stop tanks rolling through to Baghdad, they could seriously hurt an American army of occupation. Perhaps the American invasion will be a breeze after all. The Iraqi army is less than half the strength it was when it crumpled in a 100-hour ground war a decade ago, and U.S. forces are much stronger now. But if we're going to invade, we need to prepare for a worst-case scenario involving street-to-street -street fighting with farmers like Mr. Call taking pot shots at our troops. Is America really prepared for hundreds of casualties, even thousands, in an invasion and subsequent occupation that could last many years? Ask Nick Kristoff in today's New York Times. Twelve minutes past noon at 5.60 QAM. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560 QAM. How young is too young? Up, riding around with your windows down. Dial us up on the show right now. Uh, we've got a vacancy in the hotel. We'll talk about men till your penis swells. How fast they run and how good they look. And pass along tips for your bookie to book. Hello, sports fans. Let's talk about Ricky Williams over and over again. And Elvis Gerbach. And my voice gets higher and higher till I start sounding like Don Adams. Talking about manly men and loving it. And some side issues like where are all the rider trucks? Remember those halcyon days where there were rider trucks? The smell of musty movers blanket that blended so well with eating a sandwich? Cruising along in the afternoon, talking about ignorant sport hole goons. How jocks dingle dangle their balls like a bell, and about how good their jock strap smells. Ain't much talk about women except to say, he's got him a nice patch of real estate. Hey, mad dog, how you doing? Peachy keen, sticky boom. Would you believe? Like a ding-dong daddy from Dumas, uh, I have on the line my old friend, the Craw. The Craw! The Craw! Craw! I'm sorry about that. I'm at Siegfried. Well, if it isn't the old Frank Caller on hold trick. Uh, you're not fooling anybody, Caller. I don't need that kind of aggravation. I make plenty of money. Don't even need the gig. So blow it out your ass, my friend, because I can sit here and relax and wear my tie. It takes a real man to do a radio show and wear a tie. Twelve eighteen at 560. Speaking of wearing a tie, how about a bow tie? You know who we left off the list? No, who? Tucker Carlson. Who? That schmuck on uh, Crossfire. Oh, that That right-wing asshole with a bow tie. Isn't that his name, Tucker Carlson? I guess. Boy, you are. And Robert Novak. Crossfire. And Bobby Novak. <coughs> Don't you think both of them belong? Well, I think we got enough on there. Plenty. Far, far be it for me to start dicking with that list and getting there, especially right in the middle of the lunch hour. I'm sorry, Eric. I apologize. Speaking of lunch, boy, the way I'm really jonesing, you know what? Remember yeah. I told you about that restaurant where I ate yesterday that right. the portions are just too damn big? I think I'm going back. <laughs> well, I just had some wonderful chicken chili from Balance for Life, and it was great. Chicken chili? Yeah, it was great. See, some of the names of the stuff doesn't always sound all that great. Right. I think if, if we can help Troy with one thing, although, you know, when you pick from the list, you have to have an idea of what it is. <laughs> right. 
You know what I'm saying? But I, I think that he could, like, doll up the names of some of the things because, like, for example, the turkey bratwurst. You know what Have I like made, made out of turkey? Turkey. Have you had the turkey bratwurst? No. It happens to be excellent. Okay. Very good. All but right. it sounds like, see, just like you gave me the, uh, like yeah, that. like a turkey burger. It's pretty damn turkey good. Turkey meatloaf. It's very, very good. Anyway, here's uh, the facts from Moses, my good, close, personal buddy. Just wanted to let you know I just bought a new vet uh, in white. Love the heads-up display. Just thought I wanted to let you know your friend Moses, P.S., nothing wrong with teenage girls having sex, says Moses, and especially with him is what he's talking about. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm sure I, I'm sure it's right, and he's obviously getting plenty. He's getting a lot. Good last couple plenty. The last couple of times I've been back there, boy, every, each time I come in here, he's got like that glow on his face, looking a little bit better and a little happier each time. So, you know, he's getting laid like at least five, six times a day. Right. No question about that. Of course, he's got the right connections to get laid all the way around, you know. Yeah, a Corvette. Corvette, drugs, daddy. I mean, he's he's just got it made all the way around, you know, poor little Moses. He's a golden boy. He is. Now, what was he saying about the heads, oh, heads up? Oh, speaking of that, Rhode Island Capitol could elect gay mayor. Providence, Rhode Island, mayoral candidate David Cicilline is a one-man political rainbow, <clears throat> Italian, Jewish, liberal, wealthy, and gay. Oy. He's also setting the stage for Providence to become the largest U.S. city to elect an openly gay mayor. Oh, don't let Dr. Kennedy hear that. Recent polls show him with a commanding lead over three other contenders in the race to succeed. Vinnie Bunce, uh, Buddy, uh, what is it? Vince, hmm? Vincent, Buddy Chianci Jr., an old school pal who held office for parts of four decades before he was sentenced to five years in prison for corruption. Chianci was a Roman Catholic in a heavily Catholic city and used to square beautiful women around town. It's a fluke of history, says Brown University political science professor Daryl West. David came along at a time when people were looking for something different. David is different from Buddy Chianci in just about every way. The 41-year-old son of the state's best-known organized crime lawyer, Cicilline is, see, Cicilline is the way you pronounce it in Italian. But I never know how the Americans pronounce their Italian names. It's always some Guido pronunciation. Cicciolini has tried not to be known as the gay candidate that led some of the gay community to revolt during the recent primary and back his chief opponent, the former mayor, Joseph Paolino, Jr. But there's sure a lot of Guidos in that town, sure aren't are, there? apparently. Man, in Providence. There are a couple of people who I think haven't stressed my sexual orientation strongly enough during the campaign, said Cicciolini, four-term state legislator. I just don't think it's relevant. I'm running for mayor of Providence to represent all the people of the city, not just the faggots. He said something like that. Somebody writes, this is America, question mark, on the story that they faxed me. Did you see this? Yes. From the Grand Rapids Press? Yes. Today? Nauseating. I read the whole thing. Lori Blumke thought she was doing her civic duty last week when she told a judge her recent hard feelings toward police officers might taint her ability to serve as an impartial juror. She was stunned when Judge David Buter, in relation to the drivers Troy Buter and Terry Buter, David Buter, chief judge of Grand Rapids District Court, declined to excuse her from jury duty. Instead, he ordered her to perform 24 hours of community service. Blumke, 33, reported last Friday to the court's alternative sentencing office where she was assigned to pick up litter along with convicts. She was also slated to work eight hours a day on three consecutive Mondays in October and must submit to a breathalyzer test. I feel like I got punished for being honest about my opinion, said Blumke, who manages Bridge Street Superwash Laundromat on Grand Rapids' west side. I'm going to miss three days of work. I'm being treated like a criminal because I told the truth. Buter insists he didn't punish Blumke, but offered her a choice between community service or changing her mind about police. The judge said he offered the same option to four jurors in similar situations during his eight years on the bench, including a woman last week who complained in writing to him that religious principles prevent her from sitting in judgment. 
What I told Blumke was we'd be selecting juries for criminal cases all day long, and all of them likely would include the testimony of police officers, Buter said. If she continued with that kind of response, she wouldn't be on any cases. If we're going to be effective spreading the load among the jurors and we have one who says she can't or won't, I give them the option of community service. Blumke said she was given no choice by the judge. An option is an alternative, which means choices, she said. I told him the truth. How was taking back the truth an option? If he had said you can do 24 hours of community service or 10 push-ups, I'd be doing the push-ups. Grand Rapids residents selected for duty in district court serve for two months, during which time they may be called for selection of juries. Depending on the luck of the blind draw, some get assigned to up to five trials. Others might never have their names called. On September 13, Bloomsky's name was drawn with six others to take a seat in the jury box as potential jurors in a malicious destruction of property case. The prosecutor and defense lawyer took turns asking questions in an effort to get an impartial panel. When asked if she could give police officers a fair hearing, Blumke said she probably could not. She told the judge she was upset that police the previous weekend refused to take a report for a co-worker who was hit by a woman with a broom handle when the woman was told she couldn't park in the laundromat parking lot. Blumke was excused from that jury at the prosecutor's request, but the luck of the draw put her back in the jury box a few minutes later when the court picked a jury for a drunken driving case. The judge asked me if I still had the same opinion about police. I said, yes, I do. And he said I could fulfill my civic duty by performing 24 hours of community service, Blumke said. My jaw fell. I saw the others get excused. I expected to be told, thank you, Ms. Blumke, you're excused. Buter said he couldn't recall Blumke being petulant or disingenuous. I don't know what her true motivation was, Buter said. What did become clear is that every time she was called, she was going to talk about whatever experience this was, and she was going to be excused. We were going to have the other jurors watch this. I have concerns about that. Michigan court allows a, a court rules allow a judge to hold a potential juror in contempt for answering falsely on questionnaires. In this case, area judges say they respect Buter but sided with Blumke. You can't punish somebody for an answer unless you can prove it's a deliberate attempt to get out of jury duty, Rockford District Judge Stephen Servas said. He needs statements from others who said they heard him uh, saying he was going to deceive the court. Otherwise, you just have to excuse them and get them out of there as quickly as you can. Another judge said he fears Buter's sanctions sent the wrong message to other jurors. The whole purpose of questioning jurors is we're trying to find somebody who's going to be fair and impartial. Kenwood District Judge William Kelly said, I fear the message of the, to the rest of the jurors is I better lie or face punishment. Then you have people who weren't truthful about their prejudices going back to the jury room, and then they raise cane over their hidden issues. Holland District Judge Susan Jonas has said she never imposed a sentence on a jury, although she juror, although she did find a juror once 150 bucks for twice failing to appear for trial. How do you like that, huh? Zion America, baby. Either change your attitude or uh, go out there and uh, pick up a bunch of trash we have with days. a bunch of scumbags. Oh, God. 1226 at 560 WQAM with your busy lifestyle. Need a little bit of help with your health. Here's one product that can help you do that, and that's Oleomed. Easy to take. You just pop it in your puss every day. And they've got a different product for each different part of your health. Oleomed contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with some vitamins and minerals and herbals. And they've engineered one to help your heart. There's one to help lower your uh, blood pressure, one for your cholesterol, one for your prostate, your circulatory system, your digestive system, your endocrine system, your skin and your bones. And there's even an Oleomed supplement for your mind, all using the benefits of the finest and purest olive oil you'll find anywhere. And don't forget, Oleomed makes products for men. And you ladies out there, they've got special ones for you, too. Pick some up today at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacies. In fact, when you go to the new pizza loft on Monday, stop in at Walgreens and tell Marcy wants some Oleomed. They got it. For more information about this great new product, call their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, which you can also order online at oleomedamerica.com. Live, live, and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. 
Uncle Rogers. God. One family has captured the imagination of all of America. It's Al-Qaeda in the family. Killing all the infidels. Non-believers go to hell. Living in a cave that smells. These are the days. Osama bin Laden's favorite son, Sa'ad, is taking over the family business. Funny business, that is. Oh, shut up, eat it, you dang bat. And where is that no-good meat turban son of mine, huh? Hey, uh, you called pup? Al-Qaeda in the family. It's like something you've seen before. Oh, boy. Some of Mom's goat ribs. What are you going to do? Eat the great Satan to death, huh? Jeez. Um, no, Pop. Uh, just building up my strength for the jihad. Oh, jeez. Stop building up and start blowing up there, huh? When the son of a jackal gets a son of his own, hilarity ensues on Al-Qaeda in the family. Only on Al Jazeera TV Land. Tough 31 at 560 WQM. Speaking of freedoms, which evidently we're losing very rapidly, including in Grand Rapidly, Gore accuses Bush of eroding freedom. Democrat Al Gore criticizing President Bush as he tests the waters for another possible presidential bid, accused the administration yesterday of an attack on civil liberties and ignoring signs that Osama Yamama bin Laden had been planning a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. It was the former vice president's second scathing attack on Bush in a week. Speaking at a Democratic fundraising breakfast in Wilmington, Delaware, which is uh, really a joke because in Delaware they have no freedoms at all, Gore took issue with the administration's handling of intelligence information prior to the 9-11 attacks and for its treatment of some terrorism suspects since then. The warnings were there before the attacks, Gore said. He asserted that Bush's Justice Department had devoted more time and agents to investigating a suspected brothel in New Orleans and to monitoring bin Laden and his al-Qaeda network. Where is the sense of priorities, asked Gore? Where is the sense of priorities? On Monday in San Francisco, he accused Bush of squandering the international goodwill that the United States had accumulated in the aftermath of the terror attacks by his increasingly hard line on Iraq. Gore, who was nearly defeated by Bush in 2000, alleged, challenged both the wisdom of targeting Saddam Hussein at this time and the president's suggestions of unilateral U.S. action should he fail to win U.N. backing. The strong words of the San Francisco speech, a rare direct challenge to the popular president's conduct of the war on terrorism, caught some Democrats by surprise. But analysts suggested it's also emboldened others to speak out and may have helped pave the way for the harsh criticism of Bush on Wednesday by Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle. The vice president's activity was widely seen as an attempt to position himself for another run of the presidency. Oh in 2004, and set himself apart from Bush as well as other would-be Democratic contenders ahead of the presidential primary election season. Al Gore is stepping up to his, his political activity in a number of ways by speaking out and traveling across this country to help raise uh, resources for Democrats in the 2002 election, said Jano Cabrera, a Gore spokesman. Gore plans to give another strongly worded policy speech in the coming days, though the exact topic and timing haven't yet been announced. Gore's comments yesterday came at a fundraising breakfast for Delaware Attorney General candidate Carl Schnee. Gore said uh, highly questionable decisions are being made in the criminal justice system under Attorney General John Ashcroft, a.k.a. Hermann Goering. What's going on nationally with the attack on civil liberties, with American citizens in some cases just disappearing without right to counsel, without access to a lawyer? I think that's it's disgraceful, he said. I think we need to stand up for our principles in this country and stand up for what this nation represents, even as we face the terrible dangers that we have to confront in the world today, he added. Gore also decried any efforts to portray Democratic critics of the administration's homeland security plans and possible whether Iraq is unpatriotic or unconcerned about national security. Senator Jew Lieberman, Gore's vice presidential running mate two years ago, has taken issue with some of Gore's earlier comments that targeting Saddam could damage the war on terrorism, but he said yesterday on CNN he considered Gore's criticism of Bush's national security policies definitely responsible. 
He said of Gore, meaning Jew Lieberman, he's got great credibility on national security matters. He was vice president for eight years, making those kinds of decisions. I think his voice is impotent to be heard, is what he said. And then he said he's exploring, oh, God. Lieberman is exploring a potential presidential bid himself, although he said that he won't run if Gore does. Gore says he'll make up his mind by December. Hey, Al, it's not anything personal, but no. don't do it, please. Please don't do it. Please. Pretty please. And hey, you too, Jew Lieberman. Oh, Get out of here. I think I'd make a fine president. Oh, man. Wimpy, wimpy and wimpiest. Just pathetic. See, this, this is the uh, great failure of the two-party system in this country. Total failure, absolute failure, beyond a shadow of a doubt. That these are the kind of hacks that they come up with, these pathetic, lame-ass, uh, idiotic, tragic. In fact, you know something? I think they're both uh, Al Gore and Julie Lieberman, they're from the Joe Zagaki personality school. I really believe that. Robert Blake, this is from the Globe. I knew we'd finally get around to this, make you happy. Robert Blake tried to strangle a wife during kinky romp. A little harder, Robert. Jailed actor Robert Blake nearly nearly strangled a wife he's now accused of murdering during an out-of-control sex romp. Charges a shocking new book. Well, you want to go out and get this book. All right. Bonnie Lee Bakley later told pals the terrifying moment occurred while they were having rough sex, which the former Beretta star craved, according to the blockbuster new book, Blood Cold, Onyx Books. Blood Cold. He grabbed her by the hair. It's a paperback, too. You can afford it. He grabbed her by the hair and ripped her out by the roots, Bonnie's friend Judy Howell says in the book. Robert strangled her so hard while they were making love that she nearly passed out. He went too far in his kinkiness. Maybe he learned that from, uh, what's his name, Gary Conduit. I think they're members of the same club. While the incident scared her, you're starting to talk a little bit like Bo now. The club of them? The club of them. You're starting to sound like Howard David did it. While the incident scared her, Howell says Blakely continued seeing Blake because she was attracted to the five foot four actor. The strangled, uh, strangling episode is only one of the explosive revelations made by authors Dennis McDougal and Mary Murphy. You got that? Okay. Dennis McDougal and Mary Murphy, the name is Blood Cold, who ripped the lid off the bizarre violent relationship between Blake and Bakley. The 69-year-old actor is now in L.A. County Jail, of course, awaiting November trial on charges he shot his wife to death while she sat in that parked car in L.A. Uh, on that street May 4, 2001. Bakley, 44, ran a sex scam in singles magazines, conning lonely old men out of their money, and had been married ten times. She told pals that she and Blake first had sex the, the night they met in the rear of his SUV. They had sex in the rear. There, you go right up your alley. <laughs> Love dirty sex. The authors claimed that at first Blake wanted pregnant Bakley to sell their baby. Rectum. Telling her he knew where they could get $100,000 for the tot. But after Little Rose was born, January 2, 2000, the actor decided he want to give the baby to his childless grown daughter, Delina, a psychotherapist. No, no relationship to Delina DeShields. The book says he feared Rose would grow up exposed to the sex business if she were raised by her mother. So Blake hired two men to pose as cops, the author's right. When Bakley flew into Los Angeles with Rose from Arkansas, where they were living, the men arrested her, arrested in quotes, for violating probation on fraud charges. They put Bakley back on a plane for Arkansas, and Blake gave Rose to his own uh, grown daughters, says the book. Bakley later returned to L.A. and filed kidnapping charges against Blake. The actor only married her on November 19, 2000, after she threatened to sue him for $7,500 a month in child support. But when she learned that Bakley was planning to take Rose away from Delina, who was still raising the child, when he learned that, he went berserk and killed his wife, charges the book. Bonnie and I planned a kidnapping, says Howell. I think that's what got her shot. How do you like that? They were going to kidnap the kid to get her back? Yeah. And bada-bing! Surprise, bitch! Ain't going to happen. That wasn't a surprise. 
21 till uh, 1 at 560 WQA. And, boy, this thing has flown along. It's almost lunchtime. Oh, oh God. I'm just hollishing over here. Too much food talk today. Not you that think? much, really. No, not really. Just just enough, though, to put me over the edge. I want to get that bathtub full of that cheese broccoli soup again. Of course, you don't like broccoli. No. You don't like cheese broccoli soup? No, thank you. It doesn't have, like, big uh, chunks of broccoli, does uh, it? If, if the broccoli was anywhere near it. In the kitchen, in the fridge, while the See, I always knew that uh, you and that uh, Bush uh, one, Bush Herbert one, Walker, right. had a little something in common. Who's also named George. Yeah, see, there you go. Is there still anybody in the universe, anybody with a brain who's not plunging their guts out at VIPSportsbook.com? If there is, I better tell you right now, you're missing out on a really sensational sports book. A lot of people are pumping out their sports book these days, but you better do some research before you put down your hard-earned or stolen cash at some unstable third-world sports book, like, say, in uh, Sweetwater. Let me help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs. They're Dutch-based and wonderful Holland man, also the belief, and one of the first online sports books. Seriously, if you want to go on a roll of a lifetime, you certainly want to be with the best sports book going, and that is, beyond shadow of a doubt, VIPSportsbook.com. Football season is going big time. Patriots are going to kick San Diego's ass again Sunday. Oh! And you need to be with VIPSportsbook.com. So open an account online and get you a 15% cash sign-up bonus. Uh, bobus. Did I mention they got the highest parlay odds in the world of up to 2001? Well, they certainly do. So get your ass over to VIPSportsbook.com and play with a book with some serious class. Call them toll-free at 1-866-VIP-BETS. That's 1-866-VIP-BETS. And don't forget, if you sign up online, that's the way to get that 15% cash bonus at VIPSportsbook.com, where you definitely do be the VIP. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Unacceptable rejoin, by the way. I mentioned in passing. Have a million-dollar weekend. It sucked. When you're into a romantic mood with your guy and he wants to tap that alternate input, are you put off? Do you find the thought of that kind of thing just too uncomfortable to even consider? Well, now there's a solution to that dilemma. Famous Anus Expansion Cream. Just put a dab of Famous Anus around your pucker. And in just a few minutes, your third input will expand a full four inches, making anal a breeze. So don't disappoint him. Get a tube of Famous Anus. You'll bet your ass you'll love it. See, I saved that for almost the end because I knew for the end it'll be right up your alley. About 44, 560 WQAM. Oh, this story is a little bit unappetizing in the middle of the lunch hour, but it's uh, pretty interesting. Doctors grow living pig teeth in rats. They can do anything now. Boston, the tooth fairy, may soon have a new line of business. U.S. doctors said yesterday they've managed to grow living pig teeth in rats, a feat of biotechnology that experts said could spark a dental revolution. Researchers at Boston's Forsyth Institute said their successful experiment suggests the existence of dental stem cells, which would one day allow a person to replace a lost tooth with an identical one grown from his or her own cells. The ability to identify, isolate, and propagate dental stem cells to use in biological replacement tooth therapy has the potential to revolutionize dentistry, said Dominic DiPaola, president and CEO of the Institute that focuses on oral and facial science. The experiment involved the taking cells from immature teeth of six-month-old pigs, treating them with enzymes, and then placing the cell clusters in biodegradable scaffolds, tiny bits of polymer designed to act like a mold for the forming tissue. The researchers implanted the scaffolds into the abdomens of rats, and within 30 weeks, small recognizable tooth crowns containing enamel and dentin, a bone-like material found under the enamel, had formed. 
The researchers said they hope that within five years they'll have developed techniques to grow teeth of a specific size and shape, and that within ten years it'll be re possible to regenerate human teeth. Oh! How do you like that? Excellent. I'm going to yank Lewis, mine out right now. Louis Terracio, Associate Dean of Research for New York University's College of Dentistry, said the research signals that the days of synthetic dental implants, dentures, bridges, and crowns are numbered. Right now, they do wonderful things with implants, Tarantio said after reading the Forsyth research. Implants work pretty well, but it's not a natural tooth. He predicted there was no danger of dentists being put out of business and people are able to grow their own substitute teeth, noting American dentistry has typically been at the forefront of technology. The profession will adapt and help people grow teeth. He said it will probably be a boon to oral surgeons who will be doing this sort of surgery. A boon. Rhymes with June. Oh, this is a great, I love this. This is excellent. This, I mean, even though it's just a short piece, this uh, thing about doctors. Right, and we all knew that, by the way. Yeah, we knew it, but, of course, the doctors, because they wear those white coats, they ought to have other men in white coats come and take most of the doctors away because most of them are axe murderers, grave robbers. London. Doctors should keep quiet and let patients explain their problems instead of interrupting them, Swiss scientists said uh, today. Most patients can explain what's wrong with them in less than two minutes and may even be swifter, according to Dr. Wolf Langowitz, the University Hospital in Basel. But research from the U.S. has shown that doctors usually start talking after about 22 seconds. Doctors do not risk being swamped by their patients' complaints if they listen until a patient indicates that his or her list of complaints is complete. Langowitz said in a report in the British Medical Journal, when he and his colleagues used a hidden stopwatch to time patients until they were finished talking, the average time was 92 seconds, although elderly patients tended to take longer. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I just have so many problems, doctor. I don't know. Plus, they got all day anyway. You know, they're not in a hurry. <laughs> Even in a busy practice driven by time constraints and financial pressure, two minutes of listening should be possible and will be sufficient for nearly 80% of patients, Langwood's added. So there you go, okay, doctor, and quit interrupting. Let me at least yeah, finish telling you what tell, my uh, symptoms are. Yeah, right. They, they don't even, they don't want to hear it because they're busy running back and forth to room number one and room number two and room number three, and they got at least half a dozen people lined up in their little waiting rooms there. Besides, they know what you and need. Forth, and they're marking on the outside of the chart. Who the hell are you people kidding? Eskmer, a doctor, mostly, okay? You know what that means? It means you're a doctor like my little dog is a doctor. Grave robbers. I See, I get whipped up about that doctor thing. And again, because people are so tremendously brainwashed, and of course people like, especially the old farts on Medicare, they don't give a crap. They're not paying for it. They're not going to have to write a check. And it's something to do. It's a, it's a project. It's an outing. Do you know any old farts in South Florida don't like uh, at least once a week make an oh, outing to, the the, dentist, to, right. to some kind of a doctor? They dress the doctor, up special. I went to the dentist. I went to the throat doctor. I went to the ophthalmologist. I went to the, yeah. They get their hair done. Of course, the problem with my mother is she can't find a real doctor. She's still working on it. She's looking for one. Let me know when you find a real one, Ma. And then tell me who it is. Because so far, well, at least Rimmer got me Dr. Hemp, but that's like an E and, and you know, she's ear, nose, and throat. Which well, she's great, but you got other things. If you could like cut yourself off at the neck, like Ted Williams, then she'd be perfect. But you got other things going on besides your ear, nose, and throat. You know what I'm talking about? Like your Rectum. and other things as well. Hey, you want a chance to win a free bear from the Vermont Teddy Bear Company? Just sign up to be a preferred member. That's free too. Find out more by calling them toll free at 1-800-829-BEAR or visiting their prestigious website at vermontteddybear.com. If you're looking for a fun and different gift for somebody's birthday, new baby, or want to wish somebody well, sending a bear gram gift is perfect. Just call 1-800-829-BEAR and a bear council will help you choose from over 100 handcrafted bears personalized just for your loved one and delivered in a colorful gift box with a card and candy. It's a creative alternative to flowers that will be enjoyed forever because Vermont teddy bears are guaranteed for life. 
You can choose from bears like the new baby bear with the baby's name and birthday and birthday on the bib, or with somebody well with the Good Wishes Fairy Bear. That's for real. I didn't make that up. The Good Wishes Fairy Bear. Maybe I'll send one to Moses. They've got bears for hobbies and occupations like the gardening bear and the cooking bear or the businessman and woman bears. That's right. You want it, they got it. Overnight and Saturday deliveries guaranteed. So call this toll-free number, or you can shop online, too. Here's the toll-free number first. Don't get ahead of yourself, Fatso. Call 1-800-829-BEAR, or like I said, shop online at vermontteddybear.com. Show you care. Send a bear, the creative alternative to flowers. Call 1-800-829-BEAR. Be sure and tell them that old Neil told you to call. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Friday, you bastard. To explain to your parents your offense I have downloaded things I masturbated against Seems all the time I'd have my eyes on the boobs and behind Sick in the mind, but I used to do that all of the time Every morning, noon, and night I'd hit a porno site A bonafide perverted sex psycho in my own right There were places I found with lots of horny bear chicks So my desktop got those JPEGs, all 20 gigs Until one day my mother discovered this filthy porno lover Kicked me right in the behind, told me my mind's in the gutter And she told my dad about the stuff on my Dell My computer made me a loser and could land me in hell I'm sorry, mama I never thought that you could view All those naked girls and guys So tonight I'm cleaning out my hard drive One more time I'm sorry, mama Yeah, I'm cleaning out something right now. It's called Spam. I'm going to tell you, just during this last break, I went on there to check something, and I've got like 745 uh, pop-up ads on there. Yeah. And I just I just got rid of the last ones. Pain in the ass, man. should be illegal, don't you think? It should be. Well, why ain't it? Because. Because we want it. Okay, now what's this? Pissed off in plantation. Uh, as much as I love your show, I'm very disappointed in your comments on Al Gore. While this stupid frat boy uh, imbecile marches into World War III, Al Gore is one of the few people who have the guts to speak out against these warmongers. You want to make fun of the way he talks. Hey, I, I hate to break the news to you. That's why he lost, okay? He's got a personality like a dead man. In addition to which, his whole campaign was, uh, every day he was trying to change who he was, uh, change the Al Gore. The one day it was the tough Al Gore, the next day it was the schmoozy uh, family Al Gore kissing his wife on the lips for about 30 minutes. Uh, who are you kidding? Why don't you ever make fun of Bush's phony Texas cowboy accent? Didn't you know he called Sodom a homocidal instead of a homicide? Yeah, I did know that, and I talked about it. Yeah, let's keep making fun of how boring Al Gore is while we watch our asses go up in smoke while the oil companies get richer. You're sounding like Ann Coulter, Tucker Carlson, and Robert Novak all rolled together. Help See, here's some asshole, because I say one thing that they don't like. Well, blow it out your ass, okay? Blow it out your lily-white ass. I don't think there's anybody on there anywhere been ripping the Bushmeister more than I have. And this didn't just start a week ago Tuesday. But with some people, it's never going to be enough. And the Democratic, you know, you can make all the excuses you want for Gore. He's a loser. If the Democrat, I guarantee you can take it to the bank right now. Barring some unforeseen circumcise, if things were as they are right at this moment, if Al Gore were the Democratic uh, nominee in 2004, you got a Chinaman's chance in hell, baby, as in less than none. None and much less than none. Is there any doubt about that? No, Janet's got a better chance. That's right, and she's got no chance, and she's still got a better chance. As we discovered two years ago, like I said, he couldn't win a fixed election. It was fixed, and he couldn't win it. 
I mean, he just, he, and I saw that performance of his the other day. And I'll tell you one thing, I'd rather have Ted Kennedy any day of the week. Oh, okay? amen. After that speech I was listening during the break. Any day of the week. I, I, I mean, he's a scumbag, and he's got Chappaquiddick, and he's got the drinking. But, but I'm going to tell you something. we got to forget about all that personal bull crap. He's dynamic. He's articulate. He makes sense. He's, he's the conscience. He's the voice of the Democratic Party, not wooden old Al Gore. Right on. I mean, he's, he's, he talks like a simpleton, okay? And don't give me a song to dance about what a genius he is either. I mean, sure, he's, he's a light years ahead of Bush, which is why I voted for Al Gore. And I would again right now. Not, not because I like Al Gore, because he's the anti-Bush. He's the alternative to fascism. That's what he is. He's the buffer. And all your whining and wailing about Bush, I can sit here and talk every day about his accent, make fun of him, and play uh, President Dumschmidt or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, he's still in there, and he ain't going away for another two years. At least. Uh, yeah, I know. The prospect is chilling. Lockbox. But this song today, I'm, I'm sounding like Tucker Carlson. My ass, okay? Pissed off in plantation. <laughs> That's for you, Schmidthead. Hey, anyway, don't forget to join uh, George Carlos and uh, who else? Miguel. And Miguel. Oh, well, oh, it's the Bill Seidel's thing? No, Miguel. Oh, he won't be a Bill Seidel's. He's no, not going to no, waste no. his time it's there. Too good for him. George and Carlos tomorrow, 11 to 1 at Bill Seidel's Boulevard of Savings in Miami, just west of 27th Avenue on Northwest 36th Street, where some of the people there might even have some idea who George is, but I doubt it. Stop by for some uh, crappy cream prizes and get that great free food, those uh, sensational sandwiches, those fat-filled sandwiches from Atlantic City Subs where the bread and Ira make the difference. And then, if that isn't enough phenomenal excitement for your weekend in South Florida, Come by the Castaway Seafood Company, located on the corner of University and Griffin Road, this Monday, September 30th. Well, Monday's a big day, a humongous day. we got the opening of the brand-new pizza loft in, plant in prestigious plantation where somebody's pissed off. <laughs> Too bad. And then, at Castaway Seafood, George will be there with uh, Carlos and Miguel and anybody else who wants them for your chow, on the corner of University and Griffin from 6 to 8 p.m. QM Prize Van will be there with some crap and great food and drink specials, too. So we got all kinds of goodies coming up. How come we're promoting that now, by the way? Because Adam, remember, he couldn't get a spot on because we were sold out of lives, even though we're not. Yeah. And so yeah. he asked you, please, could you... Oh, just uh, as an extra incentive to, like, plant the seed there. Yeah, right? because there would have been some spots on there promoting it, but uh, he couldn't get any on there. I see, because the Skouane has no idea what's going on. Well, that's uh, unusual. Maybe she's hanging out with Todd Drek these days instead of... Roy! Maybe she's gone from extra large to extra small. If you could program your TV to knock one person off of there, black them out, who would it be? So you'd never have to see him again. George W. 93, Jesse Jackson 51, Carrot Top 41, Al Sharpton uh, 31, Steve the Dell Computer Dude 29, Oprah's got 28, Brian Norcross 21, Martha Stewart 19, Dr. Phil is already up to 16. How come you put Dr. Phil McGraw? And that's his name. I know that's his name, but do we like need his? I guess so, because it helped. Ann Coulter, 15, Larry King, 13, Bill O'Reilly, 11. Single digits for Billy Mays, the Orange Glow infomercial guy, 5, Condoleezza, 5, Romy still got 4. Who the hell cares about Romy? Barbara Walters, 3, Shepard Smith's got a pair now. You ought to see them. They're polka dots. Emerald Lagasse's got one, and Richard Quest, they don't know who that is. No. The guy with the uh, gruesome, grotesque teeth and the really bad breath on CNN. Bye, bye, bye! The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Well, geez, I inhaled a hair. We will return to regular programming momentarily on WQAM.com until...